15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Look around you. That car you're driving. That house your family lives in. Making your daughter laugh. Inspiring her to dream. You did that. Teaching your son to drive. Teaching him he can be anything. All you. And your dreams for tomorrow. You'll do that too. Legacies don't just happen. They are made by you. The important word being you. American Family Insurance. Protecting your dreams as you achieve them. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Products not available in every state. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome into DC On Screen, episode 409. I am your host, David C. Robertson. This is my co-host, Jason Goss. Hello. And today is a very special episode. We have a longtime listener to the show. Some of you may have heard of him. He's the Big Kahuna on a little show called Weird Medicine, which can be heard on XM 105, Sirius 206, and of course in podcast form, easily accessed at drsteve.com. This is Dr. Steve. Hello, boys. <laughs> thank you for having me on. I'm actually very excited to be here. Oh, thank you for coming, man, and listening all this time. Yeah. yeah. Holy no, crap. I've never m- missed an episode. <laughs> That's, we have. Is that know. true? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure there were a few I wasn't there for. <laughs> the, uh, no, it's awesome. I love to talk about DC and Marvel. I, I like you, Dave. I'm also a, a fan of Marvel stuff, too. But uh, I, I am really rooting for the DCEU after all these years. You know, I'm a way older than you guys. I'm 61. <laughs> and I bought comics when they were 10 cents. And my mom would give me an allowance of 75 cents. And I thought I was rich. Because I could buy, you know, seven comics with that. And I, I remember running down, uh, riding my bike to the smoke shop, which was the only place that sold comic books back then. And uh, I remember being mad because they went from 10 cents up to 12 cents. That's how old I am. So. <laughs> yeah, when, and, when you round that yeah. up, that's going to cost you at least one book a, a week, right? That's right. And just the <laughs> fact that I am living in a time where, I mean, the, the idea that Batman would be taken seriously and would have a film that actually was nominated for, you know, had Academy Award nominations was just Mm -hmm. completely alien to us back then because we were weird and, you know, you had to go to these weird places to buy comic books and stuff. And, and, um, it's just so amazing. Yeah. that that, (laughs) that You do have to like wander through uh, several like Dungeons and Dragons, uh, active games to get to the counter. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's still a, a you know you almost have to sneak in and out with your comics. I guess that's but true. Well, it is really it was, weird it, to it, see it, somebody. Cool my now age. is like being a nerd is in though, so you can hop up with your your comic book shirts and your comic books in hand, and everyone's like, ah, oh, that's totally acceptable now. Yeah, back in your day, it was right. you know you could you could actively get beaten up. <laughs> yeah, but you and, know and at and the I same did. time, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I did too. I did too, actually, mm-hmm. but. You know, when when I was a kid, I used to be able to go to, and I mean, I'm the same age as Jason, uh, maybe one year. Yeah, plus, you're, you're but, like a year older. We keep forgetting that. Um, yeah, we. I, I used to be able to go to like any given supermarket, and there was a huge rack of comics. Mm-hmm. And 
sometime around, I don't know, 12 or 13, that disappeared. I had to go to the comic book shop to do this stuff, so... And I was still getting beaten up. So, <laughs> the whole that thing is unfair. And, <laughs> and comics were like $3 suddenly. Yeah. What the and hell And you were just about? old enough now to realize women didn't like you. <laughs> Everything just turned on you at the same time, right? Nah. I knew everyone didn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> it was no surprise. That's why I tried so hard on this show. <laughs> we just want friends. <laughs> anyway. Well, I was listening to your last show, and uh, you, you guys and I have do have one point of disagreement, and that's on uh, the Dark Knight Rises. And mm-hmm. I thought it might be interesting to talk about a couple of those things. I have a I have a few medically uh, medically related Dark Knight Rises questions that uh, yeah we might yeah. be able to throw at you. And I have a few medical questions that's not related to the Dark Knight Rises, but other DC movies. Okay, awesome. Well, that'd be great. <laughs> Who wants to start, uh, Steve? You want to you want to bring us into why you disagreed with our Dark Knight Rises? Uh, well, and we have well, a pretty solid stance on hating that movie. Yes, you do, yeah. and and I'm not. <laughs> it's my least favorite of the three, but I don't hate it as much as you guys did. And uh, I I look, I know it's stupid that they didn't check under the hood when they put the Bane on the plane. Oh, spoiler alert, by the way. But yeah, um, we're uh, doing you a favor. Is what that, we've always felt if we've spoiled this movie right. for you. <laughs> I thought the, that first segment on the plane was one of the coolest action sequences I've ever seen, and um, uh, I agree I, on that. I, I just I, I just do. Love sure. that. I mean, but the the thing about Bruce uh, uh, stopping being Batman for ten years or however long it was, he didn't do it because of Maggie Gyllenhaal. As a matter of fact, he didn't choose her when he chose to. You know, he chose Gotham over her, and I think. Uh, at the end of that, they said, look, you've, I'm going to take the hit for being the bad guy here and ruining Harvey Dent. And he had to go away just to uh, to allow Harvey's memory to to inspire people in Gotham. That's the way I took that. I didn't take it that, oh, you know, Rachel didn't love him as much as she loved Harvey, so he quit. And uh, that, that made a lot more sense to me. It's it's definitely like it's the best interpretation I think of it is what you're talking about, but it it still felt more like when you when you're watching him just play Robin Hood up in his mansion. I mean, food being well, slidden know, under the door, it was just it's a it's a sad sight that we didn't expect any any time out of out of that character. Well, my argument has always been that he quit because Rachel died, not because she chose Harvey, because he didn't know she chose Harvey until well after he had been. Um, hanging around in, in corridors in Wayne Manor for, for eight or nine years. Right. And Alfred was like, by the way, sir, oh, I had a, a letter. <laughs> I had a letter and it said she did not choose you. So get your ass out of the house. Yeah. Um. <laughs> right. Well, I think he chose Gotham over everything. And I, my interpretation of that was that he had he felt he had to hang up the cowl uh, to um, allow Gotham to look for a more inspirational, you know, hero, and he only came back when he felt like uh, that that wasn't working. But anyway, that that's a minor point. I know you guys have a point about the backbreaking thing, and uh, tell me what your issue mm-hmm. is, and maybe from a medical standpoint, we can talk about that. It, it seemed like uh, the moment medicine was introduced to the Dark Knight Rises, the, it the movie started to deteriorate for me. With okay. Thomas Lennon. Yeah, with Thomas Lennon, <laughs> one people. of the funniest people on the planet. Why would you do that? Um, that man reeks humor. Why would you add that to the scene? I don't understand. But um, 
Yeah, like the moment they strap on that stupid little knee thingy that I, I, I don't, I mean, please tell me if there's any reason to believe that could be a, a reasonable procedure for getting back eight years of busted cartilage. Um, no, of course not. Um, <laughs> I'm a layman, but that one didn't seem like it was going to hold together. There was, um, there, I think there was something in the comic books where he had a knee brace where there were servo motors in it or something like that, that, uh, that, uh, it's kind of cybernetically enhanced him when he was, when, when he injured himself. I can't remember, but, uh, that would be the only thing that would make any sense. And that's, um, 20, 30 years in the future where we would have something that would actually enhance your performance rather than impede it. Yeah. So and even the thing they, they put on his knee, it, it looks Less professional than that crap by Brett Favre sells on, like, paid for, like, the only on TV <laughs> right. stuff. Like, copper, right, whatever right, it is. Right, 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 right. Yeah, uh, and, you know, if it, you can enhance healing with electrical charges and things like that, you would sure. have a prolonged uh, period of physical rehabilitation that went along with that, though. If we had uh, something you could just slap on someone's knee and uh, put them right back in the big game again, you know, you would already know about it. So, yeah, oh, yeah. that's a plot device. I mean, the NFL is probably just, working on that right now, but it's just not there yet. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, that was where it started to kind of get a little creepy. And then um, and you, you, mm-hmm. uh, talking earlier, you said you did have some explanation for the uh, the, the the impromptu um pit surgery that repaired his spine absolutely look here's the thing you guys were talking about on your show that you have a good explanation for the pa kent death in man of steel if you could make that feel good for me because that (laughs) drives me crazy you know my my impression and take a quick detour my impression of pa kent's death is it always served superman uh, to show him that there were things, it didn't matter how powerful he was, there were things he couldn't stop. Yeah. The Preach. heart attack of, of Pa Kent <laughs> when he just keeled over and died. That was something that Clark... A, was that a line, for all my powers, I couldn't help, help him and stuff like that? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think that's a big part of his personality. And then when it's just him standing under this... In, you know, uh, bridge and Pa just goes, well, I'm just going to walk into this tornado, son. And Superman does nothing about it, just <laughs> watches it happen. That drives me crazy. Now, if you can make me feel good about that, I think I can help with the super or with the Batman backbreaking thing. I, I well, all right. See, Dave has never quite agreed with me on this. So I'll, I'll, I'll try. Because right. uh, when we did our Man of Steel review, basically, it was, uh, we did it as it's, Pretty much the most antagonistic premise we've had to a to a show, um, I guess, because we we did it with like yeah. I was going to try to defend it, and then he was going to um, give his basic review of it, which was, uh, I mean, to sum up Dave's review, it's pretty much I like it, but there's some serious stuff going on here. Right, had beautiful yeah. moments. Oh, gorgeous moments, and Absolutely. of course it was a yeah. Snyder film, so it was gorgeously shot. It looked fantastic. And uh, yep. the one thing I've, uh, that me and Dave completely agree on in that film is that that scene about the busboy when he's a busboy and he he uh, throws the telephone lines through that guy's truck. Cut it. Absolutely. Right. There's no justification whatsoever for that. Agreed. But the closest I've ever gotten, and this is, uh, uh, this, this explanation has not garnered me a lot of favor in some circles, but I'll try. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, hold on. Jumping back, to be fair, the, the telephone poles through the truck was probably the film's only comedic beat. <laughs> it's probably true, yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah, but you know. I think after that, didn't they start? Was it they had just stopped playing Chris Cornell or just started after that? I'm not sure, but either way, they I think they started right after. Right it, after. But, it's uh, like, oh, look at this funny yeah. thing! Now here's Soundgarden. <laughs> <laughs> now take Seattle. Lest, lest you were going to have a a, a chuckle. Um, all right, here's my best shot. Mm. My explanation for why that scene makes any sense whatsoever, if uh, it can be called an explanation, is in the story. First of all, my I guess I mean. It, we, we have to all face the fact that Pa Kent in this story uh, infamously says, well, maybe he shouldn't have saved that bus of kids. He's so afraid of what the world is going to think of, of this boy that he's uh, taken on that he actively tells him not to be special the entire time. Right. So mm-hmm. in all fairness to Pa Kent, whether that was a good strategy or not, he went out, he died for it. Apparently he did believe in it. So at that last yeah. moment when he when he nods uh, Clark off, you know, he, he sticks to his guns about like, no, don't don't show him. Now, not even for me. Don't show him who you really are. Yeah. So at least he sticks to his guns, and I'll give him that. Now, I don't necessarily agree that that's the best way to raise Superman. But the part that salvages the scene for me is Pac Kent, when he runs back in, it's for the family dog. And I like the idea that he's showing Clark in his way, in his very human way, that every single creature is going to need help at some point, and it should be worth risking your life to go save that creature. And it's going to be a very important, be a very important lesson for you know this demigod that he's raising. Because he could very easily, you know, turn all injustice gods among us on us. Sure, of course. And and not kind of um, not take that that value. And to me, it it's it does kind of serve the purpose of Pa Kent exp- still getting to, to kind of uh, through his death show his son, just like in the books. You know, you're not going to be able to save everybody, including me. Sometimes, right, right. That's kind of the closest well, I can get you to feeling good about. Okay, that. I'm going to watch it again. That that might that might help some. Uh, yeah, the 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 issue of Pa Kent's decisions as far as his uh, parenting are that's not an issue because I think that's a decision a lot of fathers would make if it, they had a kid. Yeah, uh, I mean, was, you know, I think if you took a Gallup poll or something, you're going to have a way higher percentage than you'd think on, on right, who's right, going right. to keep their sure. kid. I think that's up. a reasonable. I just as far as a filmmaking thing, that was the one sort of false note that I saw in that movie was that, that just wouldn't have happened that way. But uh, I'll watch it again and see if that helps. So now um, let's talk about the backbreaking thing. So what were the issues that you guys had with regard to Bane breaking Bruce's back and him coming back from this grievous injury? Well, I don't think they ever actually said that his back was broken as it was in right. Nightfall. Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm guessing he had an out of place vertebrae. Is is that going to be the the plot twist? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but the the part that bothered me even about that is um, I wondered is it vertebrae normally pop out the back? I I've, I don't know that I don't know how how many different ways you can dislodge a vertebrae, but he's he definitely pops him on the side. Right. I mean, he he breaks him over his you know his rib side. It's it's so I wondered first can can a vertebrate get dislodged that way? Um, well, and then can it be pulled back? Right. So the vertebral column is a very complicated um, set of um, of bones that interlock with each other, and then it's it's straddled by lots of tissue and um, and muscle that holds it in a, its shape very well. Now, I have a thing called spondylolisthesis, and what that is is the the as opposed to the uh, uh, um, balsa wood blocks. If you think of the of the spinal column as a set of balsa wood blocks sitting on top e- with a jelly donut between each one, 
And if you put a lot of axial pressure, in other words, pressure from above and below, just squishing down on the um, uh, on the uh, on the spinal column, those jelly donuts will tend to bloop out, and most of the time they will bloop out forward to the, to where that they uh, put pressure on the nerves as they come out of the spinal column. And that causes sciatica. The people say, I have a slip disc. That's what they're talking about. I have spondylolisthesis, which is where one of those ver- vertebral bodies is actually jutted out over the other one that doesn't sit right on top. And mm. that causes a different kind of back pain, but it doesn't cause the problems that he had. And uh, yes, I think it would be, you know, it's a chiropractor's dream to see this happen on a movie because, <laughs> you, you know, they, they love that. You know, it's, yes, go to the chiropractor. Validation. Your, uh, yeah. Exactly. But uh, I, I, I have a different um, explanation for this that um, I think that Bruce Wayne had a conversion disorder. It's also called a functional neurological symptom disorder. And it's a condition where you show psychological stress in physical ways. And I think that Bain... Uh, destroyed him not only physically but mentally, and he ended up with a conversion disorder. I've and a conser- conversion disorder. You you think of people faking? They're not faking. They actually have the real symptoms. I had um, a, a kid once. Well, let me say I heard about a patient that had a or a doctor that had a kid once that couldn't walk, and uh, all of the neurologic tests showed a completely intact neurological system. And uh, I had this idea. Well, okay, this friend of mine had. I'm I'm trying to be careful not to violate HIPAA. This was 40 years ago, so really, I don't <laughs> I don't probably... think it's an issue. But but anyway, I think we're good. Yeah. Um, but uh, this patient was told, you know, sometimes people just get better, and uh, it just happens all of a sudden, miraculously. It just happens. And we told her that just to give her an out because up until that point. Everybody was accusing her of faking, and the more people accused her of faking, the worse her condition got. But when Mm -hmm. we gave her this out that sometimes miraculously people get better, two days later she was up walking. So I have a funny feeling that Bruce Wayne needed the whole experience in the pit and all of the stuff that they did to him to get his brain right to get over this conversion uh, reaction, that it was actually a psychological damage rather than a physical damage. And he certainly had physical damage. Bane beat the, sh- you know, the crap out of him. Yeah, I mean, he broke the mask on him. It's, it's... Yeah, but, if you but that's, physically that's beat the, the cow into submission, that's going to be a thing. But Right. I was yeah, actually so, way more surprised uh, that his cheekbones weren't crushed in. Right, 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 right. Or that he still has a full set of perfect pearly perfect white Christian Bell teeth. Yeah. How could that happen? But, yeah. um, but I, I, I think uh, if you look at Nolan's ideas about Batman and the, just sort of the psychological damage that was done to him through the Harvey Dent thing, through the Rachel thing. Uh, with, you know, just dealing with the Joker and then going away and then drinking too much and being and not being sure that he really needed to be in that, uh, you know, in that suit again. And then Bane just, you know, deconstructed him makes the most sense to me that it was a conversion reaction. But that's that's my my take on it anyway. And then I, like, and then I mean, mentally, I like that way more than his mental health got better. Yeah, uh, especially when yeah, I think, the you know, the, the other mental health uh that middle blockage was getting up and, you know, out of that cave. Like, you have to take the rope off to get out. That's the trick. Um, right. Also bothered me a and little bit because that rope's tied so in a way where, that... like, 
that would just rip your spine right back out of place. I think if you did fall right, that rope on. Right, right. Yeah, really kind of doesn't work that way. Those tissues kind of settle in, and uh, it's it's you know if you have a dislocated shoulder, you can pop it back in. Uh, when you get Mel Gibson an extruded disc, it just doesn't pop right back in again. But uh, you know, and look, his mental health got so much better that he was able to withstand a nuclear bomb and and retire, you know, with his girlfriend. So yeah, I don't know what yoga position uh, actually helps <laughs> do that, but um, that was another major <laughs> major concern of ours. Was like, no, we love Batman, but he cannot outrun a physics. No, right? No, Nolan just didn't <laughs> want to kill him. That's all that was. Yeah, I wanted that I, cute scene in the cafe. Right, right. It's so nonsensical. anyway, that's my theory. I have a, a you know a historical fun fact for you about that. Um, the entire field of, of psychiatry got started because of conversion disorder. If you've oh. ever looked it up, well, uh, Sigmund Freud it was a neurologist at one point, and uh, for all his for all the stuff he got wrong, he at least got the conversation going. But he had a patient come in with conversion disorder, and that was it confused him so deeply on a neurological level that he had to posit the idea of the the dualistic mind brain and and look into the mind. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you know. that's awesome. Well, you can't separate the mind from the body, that's for sure. He uh, he had to finally admit that there was something going on up there that wasn't uh, immediately explainable. Yeah. Fun facts. Uh, what else you got? Well, you had some... Uh, you had more? You had a few non-Nolan questions, right, Dave? Uh, I did, but I, I just do... I do want to point out that I'm pretty sure that is the real magic of Christopher Nolan. He makes nonsensical films that people can sit around and fan theory about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And then they're like, they're like, "Hey, Nolan, is that right?" And he kind of just shrugs. He's like, hmm, "I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I hope so." <laughs> Leaves out just enough storytelling where you have to you have to posit that there was maybe a a bat plane hidden under that portion of desert just in case, so right. he could somehow walk back to Gotham from somehow the walk back to yeah. right, right. Well, yeah. you know, um, and I know, look, I'm hijacking your show because you guys just did a whole show on this last week, but um, I, I am fascinated well, this is with, the, 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 with the, the whole thing. In terms of, you know, response and feedback to our shows, it's pretty solid, I think. It beats yeah. a tweet any day. Yeah, they uh, – <laughs> I just uh, – yeah, and Nolan isn't known for making movies that necessarily make sense either. And uh, Jason and I were talking about this, David, that – you know the concept of reductio ad absurdum, right? And that's where mm -hmm. it's, you can you do, use it in math where you posit something that isn't true and then you can prove that it isn't true because it leads to an absurd result like one equals two, something like that. There's a lot of mathematical proofs that mm -hmm. use that. Right. And when you have someone that's defying the laws of physics – and now this doesn't apply so much to Batman but uh, to Superman particularly – uh, someone that can fly without exerting any energy, that can shoot beams out of his eyes, although you know it doesn't seem to deplete any sort of energy source. Uh, when you have when you have that as a premise of a film, you will logically have plot holes that can't be filled because of this process of reductio ad absurdum. And the, and the filmmaker's genius, if they can pull it off, is to, is to always skirt around those things so we don't have too many plot holes that take us out of the movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I do think Snyder's been pretty, pretty good at that over time. When they and, let him air the entire movie, it's, uh, it's, he's great at right. it. When they cut out 30 minutes so they can put more butts in seats and increase their sales. Oh, 
Don't even get me started about the Ultimate Edition. That's the film that should have been released from the (laughs) beginning. And you know, we've explained this over and over again, but that's exactly the reason. It's a two-and-a-half-hour movie versus a three-hour movie. You put more people in the seats over the weekends. You win more weekends that way, they thought. They didn't realize, like, oh, no, it's going to cost us 70% the next weekend because the film doesn't make sense anymore. Right, right. It's (laughs) Batman v. Superman. Three hours is probably Yeah. It's two of the major— People would have sat there. They would have loved it. Well, let's put it this way. Batman and Superman, same film. Two of the most iconic characters in American history. Two of our greatest national exports, if you look at GDP. And you're telling me both of those characters aren't worth an hour and a half? Let's get it done, guys. Right, right. Yeah. That was a big mistake. You got let Luther in there just to round it out even. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. And all we got you to know, walk and, away when yeah. we watched the theater, when like in the theater version, all we got to walk away with was, well, Wonder Woman works. Well, I... You know, I, 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 I um... hmm. I I walked away saying that was one of Snyder's best films ever. I still thought the original version was pretty darn good. And it had, uh, even if you just take it as a string of beautiful moments, the, the Martha Kent rescue, I will argue, is the best Batman scene ever uh, ever filmed. Yeah, the best bat fight scene, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I don't think anyone so within reason would argue that. It yeah. just, that's, anyway. That'd just be silly. But we, uh, I mean, even then, like walking away from that, um, that movie, it was, it made sense to me. But I was actually really happy when I saw the ultimate edition. How much of the head cannon I had put in was actually agreed. They'd, they'd filmed it. <laughs> that was yep part of the movie. We just didn't yep. get to see it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's incredible when you take out a whole big chunk of the narrative. How much sense the movie won't make afterwards? Yeah, and then <laughs> so. completely rearrange certain parts. Sure. I mean, KG Beast was in the whole movie. Yeah. And so was that lady he killed. Oh. Right, right, right. What's, right. Uh, what's okay. weird is I, I actually did. I took the the opposite on that. I said it's amazing how much this movie made sense when they took all this stuff out. <laughs> 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 they actually did a pretty decent job of put, shoving it all together. Yeah, for what they um, had to work with. Yeah. Oh, I see what yeah, you're that's saying. That's You're saying yeah. Like <laughs> even given all the stuff they took out, it made pretty pretty good sense despite the uh, interference yeah. yeah like when it was just the theatrical cut and i'm like that's a pretty good nolan movie even right. though nolan didn't do it but that's a pretty good nolan movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then i come back to it with the ultimate edition and went oh that's an oh it's, that's a, a, movie it's a great now. snyder movie awesome <laughs> i see the difference yeah, i'm really pumped for um uh, uh justice league and i mm. think that joss whedon uh was a good choice i really think that he is going to I think he's a good enough friend that he's just going to uh, realize Snyder's vision on this thing. Yeah, I, I don't I'm think not he's going to come. I'm worried at all that he's going to put his his own stamp on this. Nah, Other than I, I don't. Just uh, Whedon's got so much cred in general at this point. I, I, he, he's not, he doesn't need to prove himself. There's nothing like that going on. Um, yeah. I think. Yeah. He'll he'll just finish making a good film is hopefully what we're going to see. Yep. And that's that's my hope. It's Whedon too. I don't. I'm. I, I would challenge someone to find me a product that he made worse. Like that, right. that an ongoing challenge. Please find me one thing Whedon put his hands on and didn't make it better. Um, well, last couple of weeks, a lot of people have been complaining about his Wonder Woman script. <laughs> I think that thing went through some serious rewrites too. I don't know. Yeah, they're saying he is really sexist, and they're taking out. You know, I haven't read the thing, so I don't. I wouldn't know. It, but, it's also like I, uh, I've, you mentioned that, and I wanted to. Well, that's kind of what I was hinting at. Is like I want to know how many people put their hands on it after he had written by in the credits before I really blame him for any yeah. of that. 
I don't know, but the the stuff that I read, the few little excerpts that I read, it didn't seem, I don't know, egregious by any stretch. Like, yes, he mentions her being sexy, but, you know, I, I don't know what there is about feminism that says that a woman can't be sexually attractive. Yeah, yeah I, don't, <laughs> so, I don't think it's uh, one of the tenets necessarily. Yeah, so, I, you know, I don't know. It's very much uh, a how you approach it kind of thing, but... Um, but um, mostly the people I've seen complaining about it also, you know, hated Buffy and Firefly because it's, quote, fake feminism. So I don't know what to do with that. But, you know, there there are people who uh, who shit on Whedon. So. I mean, I know they're out there. I just, yeah, I don't expect for my mind to be changed about it. Oh, yeah. My mind won't be changed. I don't I don't give a shit. I'm open. I'm open <laughs> to opinions, but I'm just not I'm not seeing that one going anywhere. Um, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit worried about Justice League, to be honest. I don't know. I'm. You know, I refuse to look at it through uh, rose-colored glasses or anything and right. be like, this is, you know, this is going to be great. He'll do it to the letter. I'm like, wait, Elfman's coming in? Wait, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, a lot of the news, though, has been positive. Like, Elfman? Yes. That sounds great. Um, Whedon? Yeah. Great. I mean, sounds good. Yeah. I mean, I would have been Pee-wee's happy with Snyder finishing it, too, the, but... I was just going to say, Pee-wee's Big giving... Adventure is one of the best soundtracks ever made. <laughs> yeah. Really is yeah. <laughs> genius. I think Danny Elfman will be just fine. Yeah, you know what's crazy though is he was I, like swept of... off the streets to do that that soundtrack and did just fine. I think you I know, think he I was just, like a rock yeah. and roll singer and and Tim Burton saw him one day and was like, "Hey, would you like to do a score?" So, yeah, sure. I guess I'll give that a shot. And then he turns out to be one of the most iconic scoresmen. I'll call him out there. Yep. Yeah, he was mm-hmm. in Oingo Boingo. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Well, anyway, you guys got some other uh, medical questions for me. Um, uh, you know, we, well, I, I don't get to do this stuff enough on my show. For people who don't know, I have a show called Weird Medicine on Sirius XM and Riotcast Network is the podcast version. And I always have to answer real medical questions. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, mm-hmm. and, and it's really fun answering superhero medical questions if I can. I've always yeah. wanted to be a medical advisor on one of these movies because I will guarantee you the people that they have, they either don't listen to them or they're idiots. And, I think it's um, a combination. I, That's always been my suspicion. Yeah. It's a combination. I, I, also, yeah. the, those people do want to get paid, and it's not like they're actually risking anyone's health by by fudging a little right. bit. So when the producer says, like, what do you think this is possible? I don't know. Could you tell me this is possible? Yeah, sure. Sure. Tell you well, whatever you want. Send with, me another check. With being a celebrity physician, you know, these uh, guys like Dr. Nick and the guy that was Michael Jackson's, uh, mm-hmm. physician don't want to say no to them because they want to still be part of their thing. Yeah. And it makes it very difficult uh, to just draw a line and tell them up. And the way to do it, I am a, I do a concierge practice myself. And the, the way to do that is to draw the line up front. But I'm sure that the, the, the medical advisors in these films and TV shows, it, just as you said, have the same issue. Is if they say no too many times, they're afraid they're going to get, lose their job. Oh, they will, absolutely. But, I mean, we're talking about uh, when you get a certain level of celebrity, you, you really do get to the point where if someone doesn't tell you what you want, you can just go to the next person and they will. Yeah. But on a film, I think, uh, for me, I'm just putting it out there. If there's anybody listening that does this sort of thing, that I would always come up with an alternative way that was creative that would work medically and within the realm of possible, you know, physics mm-hmm. and chemistry to make the, the to make their idea work. But anyway, that's yeah. that's my plug for well, some, my medical some of these films. Job. I could swear that in the writer's room, there's there's just a big plaque that says "fuck physics." <laughs> 
Like it's just something you walk in and look at every day and think, "Yep, screw those guys." It's bobbins. <laughs> well, all right. So I, I, uh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say if it works for the story, it's fine. I mean, yeah. Green Lantern. Green Lantern makes no sense from a physical standpoint, but that's one. Of, it's always one of my favorite comics. But yeah, it's a great character. Sure, the Speed but, Force mm-hmm. is the most asinine thing yeah. that I've ever heard from a scientific standpoint. But I love the Flash. But from a writing care. standpoint, it's freaking brilliant. Yes, you, you create it's an awesome. entire other branch of physics that you can just fuck with now. <laughs> right, that some we just don't know about it. <laughs> yeah, or even like uh, when they early on, like in the early '40s, they had to add the you know the yellow sun to Superman's canon. Um, Right. <laughs> they had to explain some things and they had to give him like a couple of weaknesses. So they started adding like kryptonite and yellow sun and stuff. And sure. I, I, that was also just that was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Yep. Right. Also makes zero sense. None. But who cares? It's just what it is. So you set up these postulates and you work with it. Euclid did the same thing. He had his set of postulates and out of that came all of geometry. You set up and you can set up crazy uh, 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 postulates. They did that where uh, two parallel lines never meet, and then that becomes hyperbolic geometry. So you have a guy that um, can't, um, uh, you know, is a super strength, has super strength in the presence of a yellow sun, and is has weaknesses to uh, minerals from his exploded planet. Discuss, and then you come yeah. up with stories that fit those postulates. And yeah. As long as you don't vary too far and try to make it too real world, it actually works. It works beautifully. I mean, oh, and even uh, you, one of my favorite stories, uh, Superman stories, is All Star Superman, where they they take the uh, it's almost the RAA for what happens with the the energized cells. Yeah, he uh, beautiful story. That gorgeous. was Grant Morrison, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's I, I love if it's stuff. good enough, you can just guess it's Grant Morrison and, and go from there. Yeah, <laughs> and just that's one right way. It's like Superman. if you hear a really good song that's been covered a lot, just assume it's Dylan and work backwards. <laughs> that's right. If <laughs> if, uh, if that's one way to do Superman, you can try to do it in a hyper real way, or you can do it like Grant Morrison did in All Star Superman. And anybody that's listening to this, if you haven't read it, go read it right now. Uh, it's sort of a more fantasy uh, uh, Superman, and it works really, really well. Well, that'll take care it of our quota. Almost, it's usually about once every three months or so we end up accidentally imploring everyone to go read that story. So yeah, that should take care of us for the summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> summer <laughs> in the fall, we'll come back and pester them more. <laughs> Very good. Um, I think a CBR does a um, a running article, and they were just talking about, and it had reminded me of a of a story where someone implied that it might be. The reason Kryptonite might actually hurt Superman is because it absorbed all of the the screams of everyone on Krypton, and it was actually sound waves. Oh, that's funny. That was I love yeah, like dissipating him. Yeah, it's a really cool thought, and it it was um whatever it was, whoever wrote it, I don't remember now. It was the story of who uh, the second Green Lantern of Krypton, because there are two Green Lanterns per sector, and years and years and years ago. They uh, they told the story of uh, the Green Lantern who failed to save Krypton, and then uh, much more recently they brought up like, oh, by the way, there are two. Okay, well, we need a story to tell that. You know, who? Where was the other guy? Here's his story. Where oh, like heck. he comes to he comes to Metropolis and asks Superman to uh, end his misery and to kill him because only Superman can be the one who's the last Krypton uh, survivor. And 
this is a this is a really good uh, really good really good bit. It's a neat story. Wow, will you you put a link to that on the show notes because I want to read that. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll put a I'll put a link to uh, both. I'll try to find them again. <laughs> it's just one of those that things that come across awesome. and. Yeah. Well, that's just, a, I love when writers do that. They just come up with a natural consequence of the canon. Well, there had to have been a Green Lantern over there. What the heck happened to Krypton's Green Lantern? And then just make a story from that. It's beautiful. Yeah, that is nice. Oh, yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, so, um, you got, Dave, you got a couple of, uh, I do yeah. have like a couple more general ones whenever you're ready. Okay. Um, do you remember what McGregor syndrome is, Steve? Oh my goodness! No, but I can become an expert in it in two seconds. It wouldn't be I worth mean, the two it's, seconds. <laughs> it's not <laughs> worth the two seconds. This is, um, I guess, technically it, it first came about in in ninety two on uh, anime the animated series, but they never really named it. Um, they named uh, they named this thing McGregor Syndrome after Peter McGregor Scott, who was a producer on Batman and Robin. That was Mister Mister Freeze's wife's uh, disease, Nora Freeze. Okay, and they didn't really define it. Other than to say that, you know, her stage was a later stage. Alfred's stage was stage one, which he had already cured. And I actually, in, in preparation for the question, looked up some stuff about this. And the Arrowverse has, has adopted the McGregor syndrome. <laughs> and I had not realized that. It had just gone right over my head when we watched the show. But William Talkman, the Clock King, right, he has it. Right, the Clock King was one of them that had it. And uh, Francine West... I saw that as well. Yeah, known sufferers of the disease include Francine West, Nora Freeze, the Clock King, and Alfred Pennyworth. Uh huh. And uh, apparently, as the Wikipedia entry uh, denotes, is a syndrome is a genetic defect that causes uh, fluid buildup in the lungs, which leads to oxygen deprivation and multi-system organ failure, known to affect known to affect ex-drug addicts. Is there is. Is all is that all of that medically sound? I'm I'm curious about that. Also, does this mean that Alfred is a next drug addict? Right. I do like the well, version but, where he like spent ten years following the Ramones and shooting heroin. Well, actually, it made me wonder if the entirety of like we could just retcon forever and Batman and Robin right into like some sort of drug induced fever dream for Alfred. That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be a good I out. Love that. That'd be a good out. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, chronic opioid abuse and other, but particularly opioids. So those are the things that are derived from the opium poppy, like morphine, heroin, uh, crocodile, that kind of stuff. Uh, they do. Uh, that was particularly nasty. Uh, with yeah, well, that is particularly nasty. And mm-hmm. if, if people aren't aware of that uh, what it is, is crocodile is a potent form of an opioid that uses red phosphorus to convert, I believe, codeine into a more potent form. And they can't get the red phosphorus out of it. And so when you uh, inject it, um, it, you know, it causes a really severe skin reaction that thickens the skin and makes it scaly and looks like crocodile skin. At some point, and it starts to actually caustic. fall off. But it's dirt cheap, and that's why uh, it was really uh, 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 um, favored in Russia at one time. Still and, pretty um, high in there. Yeah, and you know when you start buying pharmaceutical grade uh, drugs off the uh, street, they're very expensive. And if you lose your job and your habit gets to the point where um, you you know you can't afford your drugs anymore, you start going to cheaper alternatives, and one yeah. of those is crocodile. And I'm surprised they haven't made some um, 
you know, a comic book reference to that, you know, where, you know, somebody's addicted but also a supervillain at the same time with, you know, some kind of weird skin. But uh, this this disease may be a, an opioid-caused uh, immunodeficiency. So there are people who will have uh, decreased immune syndrome or sem- uh, symptoms Sorry, system, uh, decreased immune system from using uh, chronic narcotics, and it can cause malignancies, uh, certain cancers. Uh, and mm-hmm. um, if you shoot yourself up enough uh, uh, with a needle and you're not careful, you can get an infection in your heart uh, called uh, infective endocarditis, which also will cause fluid buildup in the lungs, which leads to oxygen deprivation and multi system organ failure. So, uh, you could say that McGregor syndrome is simply um, uh, infective endo, uh, chronic infective endocarditis, which is an infection of the structures of the heart with bacteria caused by IV drug use. So, you know, you could come up with a corollary of that. But, yeah, there's no other syndrome that I can think of that even comes close to what they're talking about. Well, did they uh, – I thought the, uh, the Wikipedia also mentioned uh, it was congenital. It was, it was uh, gene-related but is it just gene mm-hmm. gene related and life activated maybe or well something that's inevitable no, gene everybody's portion? different and we are we are a product of our genetic heritage and there may there are some people who can drink alcohol their whole life and never become alcoholics there are some people that Irish. can drink one drink and they become well <laughs> you said that and <laughs> some people who can drink one drink and immediately are addicted and th- that probably is genetic, so there might be you, you could posit that there was some genetic predisposition to whatever this particular syndrome is, but they just made it up. But yeah. it, you know, there are some things in real life that are close to that. This is probably you've probably put more thought into it in just that than they did all four, <laughs> right. all three of the series oh, yeah. that use this, <laughs> of course, oh, maybe yeah. combined. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, next time right, the writers um, are, are, are looking to use that, I hope they at least refer back and maybe stumble upon our podcast. And be like, oh, crap. He already did the writing for us. This is great. I'd be I'd be happy to help him out. Yeah. I love this kind of stuff. All right. So uh, in your medical adventures, moving backwards in the DC movie canon, in your medical adventures, how often would you say you've been uh, or you've encountered uh, resurrection from cats gnawing at a person's fingers. <laughs> well, Once, twice a month, brought, shows up at the hospital, maybe. They brought that back in Gotham uh, as well. Uh, uh, you know, uh, when uh, the clone Bruce... Is it okay to talk spoilers at this point? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. When clone Bruce threw Selina out the window and then you saw the cats coming up and licking her, they didn't resurrect her and change her into a different person exactly. But it was sort of remin. Well, it was a callback to that. It was scene. definitely a callback. Mm-hmm. But thank God they went with the slightly less ridiculous uh, poison ivy's right. plants routine. Right, right. And I like yes. the whole poison yes. ivy thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, well, the of only course, thing, I actually got to like her a lot more. But I'm, I'm still every now and then I'm like, ah, she's like eight. This, this just feels weird. Oh uh, no. Well, okay. I have <laughs> issues with what they did with her character. Yeah. Uh, because they just wanted an older, sexier uh, poison ivy. But I did like the uh, solution to to Selena's problem was mm-hmm. using ivy's plants. But it also means she has the cure for all kinds of diseases, and she's just running around and going to end up being a villain. It's sort of like uh, uh, using Khan's blood in the um, 
uh, which, which Star Trek movie? Uh, the one with Into um, Darkness. Darkness. Yeah, Into Darkness with Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Now they have the cure for everything. They could just use Khan's blood. No one should ever fear death ever again <laughs> in the Star Trek universe, except they're yeah. just going to completely forget about it. Yeah. You know, they'll never um, use that again. They also forgot about teleportation somewhere during that movie. Right, right. That too. That <laughs> well, too. no. But no anyway. one should fear death inside of the Abrams J, uh, Star Trek universe because death will bring you relief from the Abrams Star Trek universe. <laughs> wow. <laughs> With the yeah, sole wow. exception of the one they finally let Simon Pegg write. Yes. Beyond was was really, was really yeah. good, I thought. <laughs> but this is another one of those things where, like, you bring me something that Simon Pegg made worse. I dare you. I'm not saying all of his movies yeah. have been fantastic. I, I've seen all of them. Yeah. But, um, yeah. He's very. Like engaging. I, I saw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw. I saw Beyond. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this was actually really good." And then, like, all the clickbait headlines were like, "Star Trek makes a pro-Trump thing." I'm like, oh shit! I don't remember it. How they got to wow. tear me down? I didn't. No see matter that. what, they're tearing me down. I didn't catch that at all. No. Oh yeah, that's that was just all. I don't. I didn't read the articles. I was just nope, nope. You're not going to ruin this for me. <laughs> <laughs> Now the um, that one in particular, like they finally let someone who you know had Star Trek posters up on his walls when he was a kid write the film, rather than just hiring a writer who knows a little bit about Star Trek. Mm-hmm. You get a di- you just get a different yeah, product I'm, that way. Yeah, I I was happy that Damon Lindelof was out of this picture. Yeah, he's back wow. in another one. We'll be covering that tomorrow. It, oh, oh, have you guys talked about that yet? I, uh, I, well, I know on, you have. So, uh, I actually, I heard about it on your show. I used to despise that guy, and but after watching The Leftovers, I'm all in. I want to see what he can do with that. You know, the one thing that Damon Lindelof is good at, and I wanted to punch him in the face after Prometheus, um, what, but he is really, really good at uh, little vignettes about people's backstory and stuff. That was what Lost was all about. You know, and he is really good at that. He's so good at that, and that just the the, yeah. the grief and loss that they were able to portray on the leftovers. If you haven't seen that, it was a great show, and it, it's it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's just three seasons, and uh, so I'm actually interested to see what he's going to do with this uh, Watchmen thing. Yeah. All right. I um I'm actually curious to know, and you can give me the spoiler on it. If Jason doesn't care on the leftovers, did he did he actually not let us know what the what this whole rapture thing was about? No, they said did they ever explain they, that. No, he did. They said they weren't going to, and then they changed their mind. And what they came so this is why I'm I'm on his team again because he finally figured out how to write an ending for something. And okay, okay. I, then I don't want the spoiler. Okay, then I don't I'm, want I'm the not spoiler. Gonna spoil it, but I'll just tell <laughs> eject, eject. Eject. <laughs> because I, I I saw like the first four or five episodes of this thing, and then Lindelof came out, and I loved Lost, but I was a little iffy on the ending. I yep. wound up liking it a lot more than I initially did. Me too. But one of my big things that I always had an issue with with Lindelof was that he was like, oh, yeah, you can't give away the mysteries. That way, when people go back and watch it, they can still talk about it. And I'm right. like, no, I don't want that shit. Right. I want the actual thing. I That's kind know of a cop-out. It's a cop-out yeah, to just say, oh, well, absolutely I'm never going to tell you. Out. Yeah, don't give me some Sopranos bullshit. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> Never been more mad. So, you know, right when The Leftovers came out, though, I watched about four or five episodes, and then he came out and said, oh, we're never going to talk about, we're going to do what the bu- the book did, and we're never going to talk about what where all these people went. And I went, oh, no, I don't have time for this shit. I'm telling you, dude, they totally did, and it was very satisfying. 
and okay, I completely changed my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave yes, has so something Jason. to do this summer. Yeah, like abort. No, no spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> On the other hand, I like think a I lot watched, of people uh, checked out when he said that, though. So maybe that's probably. why. I, I, somewhere around there, I, I watched like one episode of Lost, and then Dave explained the ending to me, and my entire just to sum it up, basically, I kind of went, "Oh, I'm glad to stay out of that." I was, I yeah. Mean, now I don't have to watch it. Yeah, I was like, That's I thought I, it was one of those I might go back and do one day, and then Dave told me what the ending was. I was like, "Oh, well, you just saved me so much time. Thank you, thank you." Well, that is the definition well, of why spoilers suck. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, but he told me he wanted it. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I've, uh, right. I, I intentionally went out for And me and Dave have gotten a good enough, uh, you know, uh, rapport over the years about knowing when to spoil something for somebody. Sure. Like, dude, I'm about to save you a lot of time. You want to hear what happens? Like, <laughs> okay, good good call. Sure. Thanks, man. That's, that's going off yeah, the Netflix. I'll tell my friends, it. uh, it's okay to tell me I'll never watch it. Just tell me. Yeah. And then I love, that's, what, that's, I love yeah. what you guys do is you will spoil stuff. That you just don't want people to waste their time with, and I, and I do appreciate <laughs> We that. still give you the heads up. It's, like, hey, we've done this on the, on the show a few times where it's like, all right, everyone, if you don't want to know the ending of the story, take 30 seconds off. Go just hit the 30 seconds button. Right. Sit there and look at a clock and be like, cool, all right, pop back into the show. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I, I write spoilers for anything that's been released ever. Not just DC stuff, just everything. <laughs> yeah. I just write it in the description so somebody can't be like, hey, you spoiled this. I'm like, says it right there, man. And right. I also like it's it's in the description. <laughs> we say it at the front of, the, of all of our shows, and then no, we don't. No, almost we don't. All That's our a shows. lie. <laughs> no, that when no, we're doing not even reviews, we say it. I've stopped doing that completely. I've stopped doing that. Completely. Oh, hey, that's <laughs> right. We talked about that. Your review shows, yeah. you do. We, yeah, the we review do shows, that yeah. on the review shows. Um, I remember that. I remember that conversation <laughs> now. But it, it, we uh, something that I like though about it is that we actually review stuff late enough that you've had all week to get around to watching it. So I feel like we, it actually is late enough that we catch a few people who are like, oh, thank God, Saturday I can catch up on all my shows, and then you know, they'll catch us on Sunday. Yeah, there's whole blocks of your sh- TV shows. And, and thank you for doing that, too, uh, just while you know, I'm just metaphorically you know, blowing you guys. But it's, um, <laughs> we appreciate it. When you, when you do the DC stuff separate from the DCEU stuff, it allows me – to skip the shows that I'm behind on and then come back and catch up with them later. Other shows just mush it all in. And then it's like, Oh hell, I wish I hadn't heard that. And, uh, and I really do appreciate that, that you guys, it's incredible. You guys are the hardest working people in podcasting. I don't know how many podcasts you have out there, (laughs) but you know, to, to do a show for every single DC TV show that's on and cover it and and do a, a quick review and all that stuff. It's 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 really awesome. I really do appreciate that. Oh, thank you. It's about to get so much worse too. You know yeah. that, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> it, we're gonna have to change the way we're, we gonna, do it, we're gonna have to take a look at. It. Well, uh, something like we, we've uh, we've toyed with the idea of maybe dropping Lucifer or something like that, just to uh, give ourselves a like a fighting chance at getting you know Black Lightning back in the picture and. Right. Yeah, we've still got a Teen Titans thing in the works. Young Justice is supposed to make a, a return. There's a whole WB network that's about to open up that we're going to have to go, you know, pay to stream that. And God yep. only knows what they're going to include there. Mm-hmm. So it's it's we're in the and, living in the know, golden age. Look at this. Krypton. Wait, there's so much that you're think you guys are thinking of having to cut back on it. Now think about that for a minute. What oh, even when we started a couple years ago, we didn't. We thought, oh man, that's. How are we going to keep the show going if these tiny handful of shows don't make it? Right. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, you know, that was our concern at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. We were naive. <laughs> we were naive. 
But uh, <laughs> yeah, some of the, one of the funniest pieces of feedback I think we've ever gotten on our shows, and people actually did appreciate it once we started splitting them up like that, that they could do what you're talking about. Like you can go like catch up on Netflix and mm-hmm. go catch up on our shows if you wanted to. Um, but you can call your shot a lot better with that. But something I've I, it cracks me up, and we've actually gotten a couple times is. Thank you guys for doing the Lucifer reviews. I keep listening to them. Um, I'm not actually watching the show. If you guys start saying good things, I'll go watch the show. <laughs> right. right. We're just <laughs> taking the bullet for these guys. <laughs> you watch it. Just tell me what happened. Just tell me if it starts to get good. And then we basically do like a 10-minute Lucifer review every every week that's like, well, it's uh, still not, no. Still not good. I highly recommend that everyone who hasn't read it go read the full run of Mike Carey's Lucifer. It's one of the best runs of any comic ever, I think. It actually made me cry a couple mm-hmm. of times when I was reading it. Oh, that's which good. That's never happened. I I have it. I like oh, I wow. have um I have it somewhere. And it's one of those where I I don't specifically don't want to read it right now because it's just gonna make me angrier at the show. Right. The um <laughs> <laughs> same oh the, the, the other first... problem with uh sandman I, I i had the sandman run somewhere i don't remember where but i i don't want to read that because they're still working on that property and i don't want to like somebody somebody's still developing that so i don't want i want to give them time to, no. to do it yeah jason just go read it listen they're go not going to be able yeah. to do a hundredth of what's in there mm-hmm. they really aren't going to there's you know, no way but They've talked about doing it on like HBO or Stars or whatever. That's you know? different. I think they. That went, and I think they could. Stars for a little while was going to develop it, and I think they might still. If American Gods uh, numbers are are doing really well, they might p- pick up another game and property. If they do Sandman on there, you realize. I mean, if you haven't read it, it starts with. Um, I mean, it it has Swamp Thing in it. It's got uh-huh. John Constantine yeah. in it. It's got Sh- mm-hmm. William Shakespeare. I mean, this thing spans the ages. It's one of the uh, one of the greatest achievements in uh, comic book history. I mean, it, I'm not going out on a limb by saying that. It's, there's it's a lot of people that agree with you. Yeah. It's unbelievably great. I would it's, say it's, it's one of the greatest literary achievements, of, at least of the last century. I'm not even going to disagree with that in the slightest. It is a true literary achievement. The fact that it's in serial art shouldn't diminish it one bit in yeah. people's minds. And uh, I'll guarantee you there's a whole bunch of kids out there that are now adults that their only exposure to Shakespeare was, you know, the things where uh, Sandman was back in time because he's immortal. He's he's experienced all of human history, uh, was uh, influencing Shakespeare to write um, – uh, oh gosh! Now I'm having. I'm okay. I'm 61. I'm having one of those moments. Uh, Midsummer <laughs> Nights. Uh, whatever. Dream. Yeah, dream. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we did. We did that one in so, high school. I, I can still yeah. recall well, yeah, the, the title. Kids who, yeah, kids these days at least had that episode of Doctor Who. Yeah, at least that one episode of Doctor <laughs> Who. <laughs> True. <laughs> Where Tennant just geeks out the entire time. Yeah, it was a good episode. Was a great episode. I loved it. Um. Best part was when well, he, do you guys he, have he any shows news or do you, like nothing. You, oh, I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say, do you guys have any news or are you just going to let me ruin the whole episode? No, we were just going to, you know, screw around. We didn't have... Um, okay, cool. Yeah, this is we got a, we, We've got a news episode. episode coming out yeah. tomorrow, or it'll be out Tuesday. Okay. We'll do it tomorrow. But then... Um, oh, so yeah. we're going to get two podcasts this week? That's awesome. It'll be three with, with the... Uh, well, you know, three. three, yeah. Oh, I'm, I was going to okay. say on that list of things I mean, I'm meaning to read right now, and I, keep, I can't suggest highly enough, uh, and it's about to come back. Like this afternoon, I think is season two airs. Um, Preacher never read it. Oh, it, mm. but the show is so freaking good. I don't want to like. I I just don't want to. That's the same problem. But now it's it's. I don't want to ruin the show or the book. I'm just gonna 
let the show do its thing. And I've got all the time in the world to go back and read Preacher. Yeah, that's fair enough. Steve, uh, the one that one angel looks exactly like a Steve Dillon character too. The Steve Dillon, the artist, yeah. a lot of his. There's a lot of sameness yeah. to the people, and that one, that one angel with the kind of pointy face. Like I said, they they had to make him up to look like a Steve Dillon character. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I you know I'm one of the few people I think in the world who is it's not bad, but I'm I'm just yeah. Steve Dillon's characters all look the same to me. They do. They just do. <laughs> they, they, I don't know. Right, I just, he said I it. feel bad about it. The only I'm way you like, can tell one, kind yeah. The only way you yeah. can tell one person from another is their hair color or the tattoo on their face or whatever. Yeah, they, there's a, a real similarity in the way he draws people. Yeah. But uh, I enjoyed Preacher. That was one of the uh, ones I bought every, you know, every uh, comic, and then bought the. Uh, trade paperbacks and then turn around and bought the prestige mm-hmm. edition you know they they <laughs> have got me figured out that's uh yeah and, um, they got wow. they got everything that they was a good one. You. Yeah, yeah and i've heard the books Absolutely. are just as good but right now that television show is so good that i don't want to have extra <laughs> expectations um no it's great it's just crazy it's so odd and insane that's it. what i i love it yeah oh, exactly so you just don't see things like that no i mean like even anyway. the the finale of season one, um, I, I just didn't actually expect that to happen, and then yeah, love it. I won't, I won't say for anyone who's catching up on Hulu right now. I'll, I'll spare. Yeah, I need to do that. I haven't seen it. Yeah, and like I said, I think oh. season two started airing like today. I think it airs in you know a few minutes or whatever. Mm. So, all right, uh, Doctor Steve, I have another question for you. Okay, man. This time jumping back to 1966. Okay. What would you recommend for a patient? who's dissipated into antimatter due to being rehydrated with heavy water from an atomic pile. Well, that's a tough one, isn't it? That, that patient would be terminally uh, ill in the real world. No question about that. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, there's, there's no saving that person. It does uh, save the question the of guy. Even, even Adam West, Batman killed. Yes, yeah, well, Batman kicked the guy and he was gone. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what, how do you treat a guy who's got a shark hanging off his leg? Well, shark repellent. That's obvious, right? Of course. <laughs> so, we yeah, I, that. I love that they never. I love that they never <laughs> mentioned like the the obvious like shark teeth marks that would be in Adam West. Of course, right, right. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Right. If it could hang off of him, that thing was just, yeah. uh, you know, shredding his flesh with its teeth as gravity was pulling it down, <laughs> and you know, and Batman was trying to pull his leg out of its gaping yeah. maw. Well, luckily, the previous meal of that shark had just been like two bricks of sandpaper, so it mm-hmm. didn't didn't shred his his uh, even his silk costumes. Fine. Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. So very lucky. well made. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Even well, when I was sure, a kid, because you know. I saw that movie in the theaters when it first came out. Okay, that's how old I am. And uh, <laughs> e- even then, I was like, God, I really wish they'd take this seriously. I said, This is awesome, but I really wish they'd take this seriously. It wasn't until Tim Burton's uh, Batman when I saw someone take uh, Batman seriously. Except I, I did see um, the the Batman serial when I was a kid, it was old then, but they would uh, run it Saturday mornings. Yeah. Something like it was really, really old, Yeah, but they mm-hmm. would run it. Um, uh, I used to go to the theaters every Saturday. It was 35 cents to get in. 
And hey, listen to me. Well, when I was a kid, I rode ponies to school. But it uh, uh, it was thirty five cents to get in, and they would run a serial before the main feature. And uh, for weeks, they showed the Batman serial. It was so cool because you had to keep coming back to see what happened. Yeah. So I, that I, one kind of took kind it of sort a feature. Of I almost miss. Like I'm, I'm surprised people aren't using that feature now just to get you into all the movies, like all of Pixar's movies. You have to see every one of them this year. You won't get this little story we tell at the beginning with the lamp. Right. I am I am surprised that they're not doing that. That's a good point. I think people would get pissed. Probably. Yeah. Well, was it was it the um, the 43 Batman serial with uh, the white actor trying to portray rather racistly a, a, an Asian character? Or was yes. It the... yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, the yeah. forty nine was in was it was in black and white, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Lewis Wilson, I, I think it was, uh, oh, playing see. Batman. Um, yep, uh, produced by. I'm just looking it up on. Uh, yeah, serial is based on the DC Comics character Batman. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Involves uh, Batman, a secret U.S. government agent, attempting to defeat sabotage schemes of Japanese agent Doctor Daka, operating in Gotham City at the height of World War II. I, yeah, we I don't remember it being racist <laughs> back then, but of course, you know, in the late 50s, early 60s, that kind of sensitivity just wasn't on our radar screen, no. sadly. I mean, when this you thing know, was airing, there were internment camps actively happening. Um, right, just, we, right, we were, we right, were right, right smack in the middle of, of, of a lot. We'll just call it a lot. Though, yeah. you know, I, I recently re- – I have it on DVD, of, of course, and I recently rewatched part of it, and um, – it wasn't nearly as bad as I had remembered. Like, <laughs> it's like, you know, they obviously just didn't have an Asian actor there. Um, but he, he wasn't like too over the top. Like he was still trying to play it, play it real. <laughs> so, I mean, I was a little surprised by that and a little yeah. impressed. Like, Oh, and as bad as Charlie Chan. No. Yeah, no, it was, you know, it was bad, but it wasn't, you know, the worst I've seen. <laughs> It the, wasn't what everyone thought the Mandarin would be in the Marvel films if they ever did it. Yeah. It wasn't Ming the Merciless by any stretch. Oh, God. Right. Dear God. I, I love oh. how the reviews of that serial said uh, there was a guy that reviewed it. His name was uh, uh, something Stedman. He said, the serial gained good pre- press notices but scarcely deserved them. <laughs> 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 One of the most ludicrous serials ever made, it said. So I, I've got to go back and watch that again. I literally have not seen that since I was 10 years old. It's probably worth a if good you, few laughs. I mean, I would advise um, a sidebar of scotch if you're going to do it. There you yeah. go. Yeah. I, I think that and you would should, be the way. You should just go ahead and get the DVD set of the two of the two serials because they cost the same price as the two separately. So, you know, just save yourself the money. Get both the serials. The 49 serial is actually better. Uh, okay. Batman and Robin with uh, the wizard is uh, is stupid. <laughs> like, it, well, it's not going to make any sense to you. It's like a cat in a hood in a cave, like operating. He's got a better cave than Batman and Robin do, by the way. Yeah, but he's he's operating by remote control every car, every plane, whatever vehicle there Beautiful. is to operate. Like, and we don't know how he's doing it by remote. They never really explain it at all. It's just. Okay, this guy has a, this a guy machine. Had drone it's, technology been way before. He's yeah. Well, think about pretty it. much back back then. The concept of remote control was not something that was in the you know the common zeitgeist. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. 
they didn't have remote control toys like we do. They didn't have remote control actual things like we do. So that's a pretty advanced concept. It actually is my yeah. favorite part of the first Sherlock movie with uh, um, RDJ in it. Is the the twist of that movie was all that stuff that he went through to manipulate that that set of uh, governing bodies was he just wanted their they had wireless technology so that's all he wanted to steal hmm. that that was the main plot of the movie like in the background was he just needed the wireless trigger wow mm-hmm. I actually, I actually kind of liked that yeah I liked how uh, the comic version of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen introduced uh, germ or biological warfare in the second one with the hmm. War of the Worlds. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, spoiler alert, that comic's only been out for, what, 20 years? 20 years? Right? Long yeah. enough to have a bad movie made and <laughs> be, get second, buried. The second one was beautiful, and I was very disappointed with what they did with the films because they could have been great. But then you turn around and, you know, you got Penny Dreadful, and now you've got the Dark Universe. It's all the same stuff because those characters are all uh, public domain now. You can do anything with them you mm-hmm. want. Right. But anyway. By the way, anyway. um Best, my favorite thing out of the 1949 Batman serial, they don't have a Batmobile, of course, um, and they actually do. They they they're, they are thoughtful enough to hang a, hang a lantern for us. At some point, Batman and Robin are driving, and they pull over to the side of the road to talk to Vicky Vale, and she says, "By the way, does Bruce Wayne know that you're driving his car?" <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. That's good. And Batman's response is, "Of course, he's a close personal friend." Of course. Of course. That's beautiful. Well, yeah. A little wink and a nod to how ridiculous it all is. <laughs> <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous, ridiculous serial. I, it's one of my favorites. I watched it. I, I think it was little jokes like that that kid. finally got us to 66, though. Yeah. Those, those little nods. No, that's right. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Steve, this is something you'll have missed out on. Because, um, it, you know, when I was growing up, what, like two or three years old, I had reruns of 66 to look forward to. Uh, mm-hmm. So... You know, for if, that young, I actually didn't. That, that it, to me, it felt like they were taking him seriously. I was like, "Ah, oh, Batman's amazing! Look at him beat, beating people up." It to, that was like two years old. That all looked completely legit to me. Right. And then you go back and watch it a few years later. Oh, oh, they're just being <laughs> funny. But that was still fun. That was good. That was good. Yeah, yeah. It, it was interesting because at the time, and you don't get this when you watch it on video. Is uh, if I remember correctly, it was Wednesday and Thursday night. So they would do the uh, first show on Wednesday, and then it would end with a cliffhanger, and then you had to come back the next night. And no, I don't think any television show before or really since has uh, had a format like that, except maybe American Idol or something, you know, where you have to come back the next day to see to see what happened. It, at this and, point, uh, no you, one would bet two good blocks of television on one property. Right. You could That's not right. talk an executive yeah. into doing it. Like over hanging them over a volcano would not convince them to do that. And you had to be in front of the TV because there was no delayed viewing. If you missed it, you missed it. Hope to catch it in uh, summer repeats. Yeah. But the other cool thing about it was my parents loved the humor, and I loved the whole Batman and fighting, you know, uh, the Joker and all this stuff. And so it was something that every, you know, the oh, yeah. whole family could watch, and everybody loved it because they'd never seen anything like it. It, it got old pretty quick. It, I, I don't know how many. Do you guys know how many years it went? Three seasons. Three. It was three. three I was seasons, thinking two. Yeah. I knew it was two or three. And I think like each and, season uh, had a smaller production order than the previous season. Probably so. And uh, it did get old, uh, but it was still really, really entertaining for the time. That was and great. It was Especially in the 60s. Before. You got to do something yet people like, haven't seen. There was just so much pot happening. And that was probably <laughs> just the right thing to watch. 
Yep. So, um, you know, speaking of the 66 series, in light of uh, Adam West's unfortunate demise, they've, uh, and by, and also the fact that last this last week uh, marked the 20th anniversary of Batman and Robin, I've been seeing a lot of articles out there, a lot of people saying that Batman and Robin is uh, unfairly maligned, that it was uh, <laughs> the bright night in, in, uh, in the modern times and that it was... You know, something that we're we're we've, we're longing for now with Zack Snyder's awful movies and oh, why aren't we? On. No, that movie Shoemaker was, even was apologized right. for it. Well, Shoemaker apologized. Or Shoemaker <laughs> apologized for several things, but he uh, he we've we've actually covered this at one point. To his credit, the studio just like ruined. He showed up with it some pretty fun, gritty ideas that he wanted to do, and the studio was like, uh huh, uh huh, okay. Well, um, here's the toys we've already made. So, um, yeah, and they're I'm serious. They handed him toys that were already in production and said, so these have to be in the movie. And it doesn't sound like any of that stuff you were talking about is going to work. So come up with something else. Wow. And I feel like the studio was, was constantly pushing from Batman returns and McDonald's going, wait, what? Yeah. To, I, I feel like they were and now constantly I feel bad. pushing I wanted those happy meals and those stupid toys. I, I, I contributed to this problem. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, I have almost the entire run of Batman and Robin action figures because, damn it, I needed a Bane. Yeah. <laughs> and they, were, they weren't making any other uh, figures at the time. Yeah. Makes me feel better about Shoemaker, though, because I, I really was angry with him for what he did. And to find out that it was studio interference, which sounds like they haven't completely learned their lesson. They never uh, will. Until no, recently. Uh you know, yeah, that's, it that's, does make me feel a little bit better. That is an absolute. Uh, I, I think the Hollywood sign will go away before executives stop fucking things up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what kills me is like, like the San thing Andreas that gets fault the most press. has a better chance at getting that stopped than anything else, really. Yeah. It kills me that the, mo- the thing that gets the most press out of Batman and Robin is the bat nipples, which is something that was introduced in Batman Forever. Which was right. also also Joel Schumacher, and he yes they had like the design, and he went no oh, that looks cool. Well, no, it doesn't. But <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, you can forgive bad taste every now and then, but um, you know what Schumacher did though that was a real problem was the crotch scenes. Everyone who got that su- was an issue. everyone who got suited up had to have a full shot of the crotch, the ass, and the nipple area. Yeah. Well, well I Bert remember. Ward- oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was no, just go ahead. Say, Burt go Ward ahead. had the same problem. Uh, they had to adjust his costume because apparently his package was oversized. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I heard about that. And they that got they got funny. notes from the network on that. Yeah, but they were trying to get that out of the frame. <laughs> right, 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 right. He he says they were like giving him pills to shrink it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I heard him. He's like, I heard him say that. Oh. What in the hell yeah. pills were they giving him? I, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm pretty well versed in this stuff and i when i heard him say that i was like what in god's name were they giving that poor guy and, oh i don't know unless they were giving him estrogen or something maybe they might have actually been trying to give him like hormone replacement but <laughs> but even then you're well, just if you listen get a to some of his other stories he, yeah if you listen to some of his other stories it didn't seem to deter him in it at all in his life no, uh, no. Uh, he, what was well, the line you got to be good to, you got what was the line you got to be good to your fans Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was—he was a teeny bopper. He was on all those little the the you know the monthly mags with the with all the oh, uh, the Osmonds and whatevers. Yeah, he definitely bopped some teens. <laughs> <laughs> um, what the hell were we talking about? <laughs> Great question. I don't know. This See, is we a less... talking about Burt Ward's penis, and we just lost our train of thought. Well, we have a we have a yeah. section called Bat Wieners for exactly this thing. <laughs> yeah, as you know, 
as many people have in their lives. I forget how that. I forget how we uh, started that too. I think it was like maybe that was why the underwear was on the outside. Was like when you encounter a criminal in the in an alley, there's just that split second where they're like they have to look at your crotch and acknowledge like why is his underwear on the outside, and that's just enough time for Batman to get the upper hand. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's great. That was like our version of the um, the Dark Knight Returns, where he says like this is why I wear the yellow. That's the so they'll shoot me under where my Kevlar is and stuff. Right, mm. but no, but you know, knowing us, we turn that towards the penis and uh, focus there. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not certain it was that intelligent. Honestly, <laughs> I'd have to go back and listen. I don't to even it. remember where to listen at this point. I have no idea where where we. It's, it's a fine we, thought. Um, it just uh, I don't know where it came from anymore. Or well, you know, we even did it. it. It evolved into bat wieners and flipper hands, and then devolved back to bat wieners. Yeah, everyone forgot about Michael Shannon's ridiculous flipper hands. Mm-hmm. It's probably for the best. Um. But yeah, I you know I remember uh, when I was a kid, I bought uh, Batman Forever was about to come out, and you know of course these were the grand days before uh, internet spoiled everything for us, and we've been following news, uh, yeah, for years leading up. And uh, I saw like you know how they have the they still have them the magazines and the stores that like look the official guide. And I'm like, why are you still here? But back then I was like, holy shit, right? And I got this Batman Forever magazine and. Schumacher is in it talking about the nipples on the costume and how it's like how he wanted them to look like uh, in the tradition of the the old like Greek athletes. And when I saw that in the theater of the the close up crotch shots and everything, which were by the way in Batman Forever, everyone th- <laughs> loads just, it on Batman I just and Robin. Don't but remember it, was in it both. being that upfront. No, because we were all so happy that Penguin wasn't biting a pe- a person's nose off. Yes, or threatening to blow up the crotches of children. <laughs> <laughs> or kidnapping children yeah. um, with that weird creep from Ghost. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's where he was heading. Like he he wanted to be this like, and I, I think he was really into the '66 series as well. So that you know, this what he was gonna do. He was gonna do a version of his own like I don't know erotic uh, six, 1966 Batman. That's what he was doing. Yeah, he wanted it to be darker and. Th- the studio pushed away from that in forever. He wanted to pull in the previous movies and really make it make sense too. that. Um, even the recasting, he had some ideas for how to kind of write that in where it made sense, but mm. all of that got pushed out. And infamously he is, he's quoted as having walked around the set going, remember guys, we're making a cartoon. Um, and wow. it, it turns out what he actually was. It, that was usually what happened when he got more notes from the studio and they said like, Oh, you need, need a little lighter, a little lighter. And he's, at this point, just running around being sarcastic and, and uh, I don't know, a little bitchy about it. Like, that was just him kind of admitting defeat. Like, screw it, guys. Apparently, we're making a fucking cartoon. Um, I don't know. Nipples look fine. Whatever. Uh, they should... <sighs> I, I, hockey players? I guess we'll give them hockey players to fight with. That'll that'll work, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think if they had... I think if they had let him off the off the hook, he might have... I mean, sure, there might have been nipples. There might have been. <laughs> we, I don't know. They never have been spared that tragedy, but... Um, I think we would have gotten something closer to the uh, Nuwa scenes in uh, the number 23. Yeah, probably. Which is a Schumacher film. So I, anyway. it's, I just, it's outside of studio interference, I'm not sure Schumacher wouldn't have still gotten himself in trouble and, and been banished to the, the, the history books as the guy who fucked over Batman for several years. Yeah. But mm. we definitely would have gotten something not that bad. Yeah, but uh, in response to any of the <laughs> any of the articles claiming that is, you know, the unsung masterpiece, sc- go screw yourself. <laughs> that's, like that's it's just unsung for a that, reason. 
that plot, I mean, even if you accept all of the puns, which I usually will, um, <laughs> happily. Have you listened to the show? Yeah. But, yeah, if I'll accept the puns, but that plot didn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, I think <laughs> it's a train know, wreck, I, an absolute train wreck. After our Squadcast crossover, uh, <laughs> where we reviewed Batman and Robin, I got a lot of flack for saying that Batman and Robin was a better movie than Dark Knight Rises. No, it was a better Batman movie than Dark Knight Rises. It wasn't a better movie. They're both equally shit, <laughs> as far as the plot is concerned. Oh, that, that was my other. Here was my other major uh, concern with uh, Dark Knight Rises. I forgot to mention this one because it wasn't all about Batman. There was a major Gordon one for me. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. With with Gordon, <laughs> if I pop three shots, I think it was three shots. One, he got at least popped once. Anyway, if I if I shoot a guy in the stomach and throw him into a sewer line, <laughs> I say minimally sepsis, yes. and also minimally, he's probably not going to be allowed to take any, you know work calls at the office or at the hospital. And my guess was he's on so many freaking antibacterials and, and just drugs in general that he wouldn't, he wouldn't even make sense. I don't think he could like form a thought. You're talking about someone Which that makes multiply gut shot. That's and then thrown true. into a sewer. Well, you can't right. discount the thrown into a sewer part. I feel like that's going to be right, really right, key right, right. for an open wound. Yeah. Uh, the, um, uh, you know, gut shot, you're going to be septic most likely anyway, because you're opening up, uh, bacteria that are in, the intestines that are supposed to stay in the intestines and not be anywhere. You know, that's the one place where uh, the GI tract where our body can handle bacteria, also the skin, and uh, not be a problem. But when you get shot in the gut, you know, it opens all that up. The intestinal contents spill out, and uh, you'll get uh, peritonitis or uh, inflammation of the lining of the abdomen. And then, yes, now let's throw you into a sewer and have all of that seep in. And by the way, just a fun fact, did you guys know that sewer water is 99% pure water? It's that 1% that really screws you up. <laughs> so just a... Something that's a little factoid people don't know. And See, even if it was 98% I will remember that, though, because it's going to be like if I, ever, for any reason, end up falling into a sewer, as I fall, I'm going to be remembering that like, ah, oh, Steve said it was 91% <laughs> good down here. <laughs> Just reminded me of the uh, Anthony Jeselnik joke. Uh did you know diarrhea can kill you, even if you drink just a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a funny guy. Oh, he's solid. He is. One of the best pure form joke writers working right now, I think. Yeah. The um, uh, so speaking of dark Batman or darker uh, approaches to Batman, I read that, and you guys may have said this as well that Matt Reeves is talking about using Hitchcock as one of his influences in doing mm -hmm. this Batman movie. Very excited we to see that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Very excited yeah. to see that. Yeah, and, you know, it, it, a smaller Batman story where he is the world's greatest detective, but it has a um, you know a a very dark and uh, suspenseful impact on him and his life or the people around him. I can live with that. It doesn't have to be Batman saving the world or even saving Gotham from a nuclear attack or from, you know, some enraging gas or anything mm -hmm. like that. Just, I could live with a smaller film and, um, I'd like to see that, to be honest with you. Just something yeah. uh, very suspenseful that surprises me. Something like the, um, not quite as far as, uh, I think it's the Zeppo, I think is the title of the, the Buffy episode where, mm -hmm. um, it's all, it's, it's all about, um, God, I can't remember his name right now. Help me out, man. Xander. Xander, thank you. 
Uh, it's all about yeah, him. There's there's like, a full fledged like end of the season type apocalypse going yeah. on in the episode, but we never see it. Yeah, it's just all it's a quiet episode about Xander, and then just every now and then in the background you'll see like one of the characters' shirts half destroyed and they're about to die or something like that. <laughs> but um, something like a, a smaller film like what you're saying, I, I think it'd be awesome if you just had a if it was a Batman film about him being a detective and he's it's just like one murder, like just one little girl getting murdered or something like that, and that's the sure. that's the mystery he's trying to solve the entire time. Yep. And like two or three times during the film, like he gets a call like, ah, Joker's out, crap, and then like. You don't even really see him wrap it up. You just see him like throw Jared Leto back into a a, a pen and then go back to trying to solve the little and go the back mysteries to the thing. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to see that. Yeah, I would too. I would, I and I think they should. Matt Reeves, I think he uh, is um, somebody that is he's going to do a great job with this. I think his work on the apes stuff, and I loved Cloverfield as well. So I, I think he's going to do a great. <laughs> Me job. and Dave had to say the same thing regarding the apes films. The trailers look great, but we haven't seen them. Yeah, yeah, you, you should see them. <laughs> They're actually very good. I don't think I've ever had anything and, against uh, it. It's just never quite come to fruition. To make yeah, a movie I've, where half of your uh, cast doesn't speak and they speak in sign language, uh, that takes balls to make yeah, a movie that like is good. that. You know? That is good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like one of my favorite uh, animated films of all time will be Wally because the first half of it is a silent film. Right. Love yeah. it. Yeah, I love stuff like that. You get two words the entire first half of that movie. Wally, Eva. Yep. That's it. Right. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Um, yeah, I, I really need to uh, carve out some time this summer and, and catch up on some Matt Reeves stuff to see what kind of tone I'm looking for. See what you're I, for? I really dig the Hitchcock's. Yeah, but I dig the Hitchcock statement a lot. Yeah. Um, God. But yeah, can you imagine if they actually did that? And, and you know, th- there's also a rumor going around right now that. Uh, from Umberto Gonzalez over at uh, the Rap, I suppose uh, now, but he's saying that Warner Brothers is looking to do like three or four different movies a year. And how much fun would it be if they did a Batman movie? If they did that, where they said, "Okay, here's fifty million dollars, go make a low-key detective Batman story," mm-hmm. while we're working on Justice League Two, that would be amazing. That would oh, be cool. I'd love it if Batman had showed up in four different movies and he's still trying to solve that one little girl's murder or something. That would be interesting. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Like he just shows up every now and then in the like the we'll, we'll assume the Justice League gets a headquarters at some point. Like you go to the Justice League Part Two and he's just there for like five minutes doing some research on the computer and then he bolts. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could to be really fair, use you we for this. The that... little girl needs me more. Okay. Like Batman is the most popular character in the DC universe. Period. Yeah. You could do like every three years, do like a big Batman movie. And then, like, just have like one or two little ones in there, like a TV so, uh, a TV show in theaters. Yeah, like, I yeah. think that'd be amazing. That'd be fantastic. Well, and Deadpool proved yet again that it, it's you just can't throw dollars at something. You don't have to, or you don't have to just throw dollars at something. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, and especially with right Deadpool uh, getting to joke about his own production within the course of his movie. That was, that yes. was brilliant. Yeah. Um, well, I forgot my guns. Well, we couldn't afford to. To shoot all those guns, so yeah. we're just going to fight with our fists and stuff. It's funny how, uh, and had, make it had into it, a funny uh, thing. I think he said, "Like uh, it's funny how I don't get to go in the mansion. It's almost like we couldn't afford anything but the front." <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> or the other yeah. one later was like, "There's all these X Men in this whole mansion. I just, it's just you two, huh? That's all we could." Uh, right. And with Sinead yeah. O'Connor, but they, um, I think the, yeah. the budget for that was fifty nine million, which was brilliant. 
that mm-hmm. that they first that they were able to make a movie that looked that good for that much money, mm-hmm. but also that they just said, "Look, we don't we're not a hundred percent sure about this, so let's just make it cheap, and then you know we don't have to do so much to make your money back." When you spend two hundred and fifty million on a movie, if it hits short of a billion dollars, now that's when people start saying, "Oh, it was a financial disaster," which it yeah. wasn't. You can't just make your but, money back uh, on two fifty and and be happy. Somebody goes somebody goes right. on jobless. Right. Yeah, they should have gone like the 50, 50 mil route with uh, Suicide Squad. Oh, he's, that would have been the best possible course of action, I think. And you know how hard, yeah. uh, like Ryan Reynolds specifically fought to pull the budget down. They tried to give him more money and he told him to screw himself. Wow. Yeah. Like, he didn't want to wow, make it. Was pretty... It was very astute of him, I thought. But he um, he specifically very wanted it to thinking. be, That's yeah. He, that and he knew if he had too much money in there, too many people would be in there and he couldn't make the movie the way he thought it should be made. So Yeah. yeah. And God, he'd he'd been he'd he'd been trying to play that character for ten years. I still maintain the idea that like he got I know he got ripped to do the Blade movies. That's when he started getting in shape. And I think he had the idea that he wanted to play Deadpool, and that's the only reason he was in shape. <laughs> I think he was at the gym every day going, One day, one day I'm gonna play Wade, you know? Yeah. I think that I think he loves comic books. I think he jumped at the chance to play Hannibal King in the one Blade movie. I thought and they were talking about doing another they were they were talking about doing a uh, Hannibal King spin off series for a long time. Yeah. Before he actually got Deadpool in uh, X Men Origins, yeah. Of course, that was a shit show. Oh yeah. But. Oh, and you know how um, you know how he got roped into that? Did you ever read that? Um, uh, you know, maybe someday, the, maybe at one point I did. I forget. I, I forget how they happened. leveraged him, but the studio wanted to include Deadpool, and they wanted him to play it, and he was telling them like, "No, I'm, I'm not. No, this is a terrible role. Are you kidding me?" And they literally <laughs> told him, "We still own Deadpool. We're going to continue to own Deadpool. If you ever want to make the movie you're going to make, you're going to play this character in this film." Fuck. So he went in there. Wow, and they, it went back that far. Yeah, he I mean, he knew he wanted to play it then, but he uh, they knew he wanted to play it then, so they used it against him to get him into the Wolverine movie. Wow, wow, rough, huh? That is rough, but it turned out okay. Now it'll be interesting to see if they can, uh, uh, you know, repeat the success of the first one with the second one. I'm really rooting for him. Oh, so badly. I mean, they got. I mean, Brolin's been showing up as Cable. You know, getting more and more into. The, oh, I think it's going to be good. Like, uh, it looks good. I hated so to far. see the uh, director leave. That was the only thing that kind of scared me. It was like him and uh, Reynolds weren't getting along as far as where they wanted to take the next movie. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, well, you know, all of the funny little vignettes and stuff that, uh, as much as I like Tim Miller and I like what I've seen him do, uh, when you look at the little vignettes and stuff that they've done with uh, with. Uh, just Ryan Reynolds, obviously Tim Miller wasn't involved. Yeah, just his little viral. And stunts. read Ryan, read Ryan Reynolds' tweets for God's sake. Like he is Deadpool. Let's do this. Screw Tim Miller. I think Ryan Reynolds has got this as long as he's in charge. Overall of the character, uh, I yeah. think he be great. probably has one of my favorite tweets of all time. Um, and I don't read many, so this isn't a big pull to 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 get things out of. But still, um, something along the lines of, um, I swear to God, everyone in this town is so afraid of gluten, you could rob a liquor store with a bagel. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's that's one of those where I read it and I actually just had to clap out loud. Like, oh, that's fantastic. Good work. All right, so we we've got about twenty minutes before my heart out. Do you do you guys have anything else? I got, uh, uh, I got one general. General medical question. I think I'd uh, most of my Dark Knight Rises um, uh, concerns. I are I, I like the conversion thing. That's my best. The best interpretation I've ever seen actually is probably that conversion disorder explanation. It's, if I ever go back and watch mm-hmm. that movie, I'm going to incorporate it in <laughs> internally in for myself. View. Yeah, to uh, yeah. to make it a better mm-hmm. viewing. Um, do you agree with me though that Gordon's just not 
he's not showing up to work the next day, even to spout instructions from the hospital bed. No, that's not happening. Yeah. Well, you know, to to like the Batman the animated series, a cartoon. Now I know I'll get flack for saying a cartoon about Batman the animated series, but hear me out. They had uh, Jimmy the Jazz Man shoot Gordon once, and he was on life support. <laughs> because yeah. lo and behold, That's it only one. takes one. <laughs> Much more likely, and, but but in a universe where they've got a magical knee brace, um, maybe mm-hmm. they had some some magical antibiotic and surgical techniques that could do that. But you know, the the thing that drives me crazy about medicine in films, for example, uh, the the proverbial code blue. When someone's heart stops, you know, we do chest compressions, we shock them, we put a tube down their throat, we put them in the ICU. And uh, the odds that even an 18-year-old who goes through that will survive is right around 15%. But you look at a movie like uh, The Abyss, where uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio is on a submarine with um, um, Ed Harris, and they only have one suit, and they got to go to the other submarine. She says, just resuscitate me on the other side. Well, it sounds easy. So she drowns. She dies. She gets to the other submarine. He starts pounding on her chest and, you know, breathe, damn you. And then she's, <laughs> and all of a sudden she starts breathing. And then she's running around, running away from aliens the rest of the movie. It does not happen that way. Yeah. It never happens that way. She would have been in ICU for at least a week if she survived. And so, yeah, that, and that's then measuring the kind of how much brain damage from how the, from the time she was done. Right. Well, only got presumably what, like the water was minutes? cold and she, well, if you're hypothermic, you can go a lot longer. There have been kids who have lived 45 minutes uh, in, you know, that fallen through the ice and are severely hypothermic and uh, can go 45 minutes, maybe even longer in what we would call a state of suspended animation, but they're just able to be resuscitated. They've got a much smaller body mass, so they get colder faster than adults would. And uh, you can resuscitate them, and they're fine. But uh, that's, oh, that's obviously not the um, not the norm. Yeah. No one ever so, like, so, wakes yeah, up and actually makes out with the lifeguard that saved their life or something, right? No. Well, <laughs> I mean, look. If, if you just swallowed some water and your heart didn't stop, then yes. If you're just choking, and then, yeah, you could kiss the lifeguard. But if your okay. heart actually stopped and they had to do chest compressions and shock you and intubate you, then, yeah, you're not kissing anybody for a while. Gotcha. The way you reversed on that reaction almost felt like you were going to be like, no, well, there are some freaks. <laughs> <laughs> well, well that, that's true. There are some freaks. But yeah. <laughs> There's, there's not she open really gets off on hospitals for a good reason. <laughs> you can't just wander around the halls. It's one of my favorite lines from the original uh, 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 Christopher Reeve Superman when uh, Larry Hagman sees uh, Valerie Perrine laid out and he says, well, I think the first thing we should do is a vigorous chest massage. <laughs> 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 I'll use that one. I use that all the time. You know, if some... Some woman says, well, what do you think would help me? I'll say, well, first, a vigorous chest massage is in order. <laughs> doctor, I was asking about my foot. I know. Don't question me. Right, exactly. Right. I'm the doctor here, okay? You who's came got, to see who's me. Who's got the MD after their name? <laughs> right. You schedule an appointment, the whole thing. Just trust me. Um, Step anyway. aside, man. Yeah. I, I have a couple of uh, very general uh, <laughs> medical-based questions, I guess. Um, if you're up for a couple more kind of uh Sure. I'm a really vague one. So I've already ruined your show. You know, we're an hour and thirty-seven in, and 
and I know people are just, when are they going to get rid of this guy? But uh, I, I have really enjoyed this, and I really appreciate it. Nah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I hope it's been a fun conversation. But um, we, I, I can invite anyone to go ahead and click next. We'll have a news episode coming. <laughs> if you don't want to go, go. I mean, <laughs> but um, you don't have to be here. Um, but uh, from a medical standpoint, and this is going to be such a vague question that if you don't think of somebody and like later, if you're like, oh, that's a better answer, you know, don't worry about it. Yeah, but yeah, sure. From a medical standpoint, your least and wor- or least and most favorite powers, as in the one that's the most ridiculous that you can think of, that has oh. no basis in anything but fantasy, and one that actually might be somewhat close to like sound. Oh, what if the that? least? What if the most ridiculous is his favorite though, Jason? That can actually be the same thing. Favorite is a different conversation. Okay, but uh, yeah. all right. Wow, if, I wish you'd give me a heads up on that because I could have come up with something way more interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about it until about halfway I, through. So uh, sorry. How did? <laughs> how did? Okay, in Nightfall, how did Bruce Wayne or Batman get his legs back? Wasn't there a woman that had like some magical healing powers or something? Yeah, that's pretty much. Yes, that's basically it. Yeah. So, uh, Doctor Consolving. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that's the most prosaic superpower that you could have. I feel like I kind of have that. I have <laughs> an ability. I have an ability to put my hands where people are hurting, and I can almost every time uh, say, "Does it hurt right here?" And I'm a hundred percent right. Right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's just forty years of experience. Really, it's not really a superpower. There's nothing, nothing, uh, you know, uh, supernatural about it. But right. um, that would be the most sort of down-to-earth superpower somebody could have is some sort of healing power. And then, you know, I always come back to Green Lantern, you know, flying around in space with a ring that some have, well, you know, what energy? There's no, there's yeah, no they, energy that allows you to do They created another branch that. of physics for that one, too. Right. Well, and then, you know, and then when you're – and this is the problem I'm always going to have with Green Lantern on the screen is it looks cool – in a comic book, but when you have a ring that shoots out this green light and it turns into a fist and socks somebody in the jaw, yeah, that's like the really the most ridiculous thing you can imagine. See, and I'm really excited to see if it happens. How Zack Snyder, if if there's a Green Lantern cameo in this film, I have an idea how you could do it. The same way that that um um. Oh, what's his, uh, the, uh, oh, God, the, uh, the Dark Knight Returns, um, I'm having another senior moment, the artist and the writer of that. Um, oh, Miller. Frank Miller. Yeah. Frank Miller, thank you. Okay, sorry, this, this is what happens when you're 61 and you've drunk two beers while you're doing a show with some guys that, that, that you admire, but you don't know that well. And, that's, that's what uh, happens you remember when we're 32. How he, you remember how he introduced <laughs> Superman? In that, it was just this sort of red and yellow beam of light. That's how fast he was moving and just how powerful he was. Yeah. When Batman said, oh, no, yeah. not him, not him. And you would just see this. That's the only way they can do it with Green Lantern. It has to be this beautiful emerald green that just comes out of nowhere that just, you know, exudes power. That's to me, the only way you could do a real Green Lantern, because otherwise it's just, it's ridiculous. Even though, absolutely, growing up, my favorite comic book was Green Lantern. I just love the idea that you could have a ring that would just basically do anything you wanted it to. Or you could just will it into uh, constructs if you wanted to. See, the only way I think it works Mm -hmm. if you do, especially if you have the constructs uh, be actual objects, like noticeable objects, especially like the, you know, the the punching glove or whatever. Kyle Rayner. 
I think you have to have Kyle Rayner and you have to have it. Uh, he's just the comedy relief, but he's also one of the most powerful people on the planet because he or in in all of the planets, really, because he has access to, to this super powerful ring. But he's I, I like the younger, goofier version of him more. And to yeah. me, it makes sense that he pulls out like a, a boxing glove and walks somebody on the side of the head. That does make sense. Sort of well, like uh, like teenage Spider-Man. You know, a little bit, Making yeah. weird things out of his webbing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Well, the boxing the boxing glove was really more of a Hal Jordan conceit. It, it was. Then uh, uh, he was... Rainer was a comic book artist, so he would, you know, create these like ridiculous, ridiculously complicated, you know, late 90s comic book constructs. Whereas... Yeah, and that's... I, I, I <laughs> like, say you pull in Kyle Rainer and you go full seen. throttle with that. You explain that he's, a, he's an artist by trade, and then... You know, you show it. Yeah. Yeah. Alex Ross always draws a good Green Lantern. You got to use that as your... Uh, as your Alex uh, Ross draws a good every damn thing. Yeah, he does. No, there's no true. question about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really true. Yeah. I'm looking at one right now, and it's incredible. I mean, it, just the, the power, uh, you know, exuding from this ring and, you know, Hal Jordan. I'm hoping it's Hal Jordan because he was always my Green Lantern. Um, yeah. Just, you know, oh, God. I, I, I'm uh, really excited about it, but I'm trepid. I have a lot of trepidation about it as well. I wouldn't blame you. I mean, I always really liked his old Hal Jordan from Kingdom Come, just kind of sitting in his Emerald Fortress above the earth. Yeah. yeah. God, that book. It's, it's yeah. I, every, every time someone brings it up, I just like sigh with, oh, God, that book. <laughs> and he, uh, his version <laughs> of, of how Superman operates is one of my favorite, too, because like when, they're, when he's recruiting, uh, when Superman gets back in the game and he starts recruiting, I forget where he shows up to one of these clubs where it's just a bunch of, um, you know, ne'er-do-wells with superpowers clubbing it up all night. Walks right in and then uh, gives him the little, you know, the super, uh, the Boy Scout speech, walks right out. And there's this one, uh, I think it was a little young young lady who says, like, I've never met him before, but I, I get it now. I would follow him to hell. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's awesome. Yeah. I always love that line. You know the other way. The other way to do Green Lantern, of course, is to go lighter and just do it as a buddy cop thing. And that's what I've heard. That's one of the concepts that they've thought about is just doing it as a buddy cop with people with these insanely overpowered rings. Yeah, and, uh, I'd be yeah. okay with that too. I just want it to be good. Yeah. I was pretty mm-hmm. disappointed with the um, with the Ryan Reynolds film, and that wasn't his fault. I thought he was fine, but just you know. no. He he did a typically charming performance. Uh, he's it's, yep. it's Ron Reynolds. He's always going to be at least funny and definitely charming, and then probably going to get you emotional at some point. I mean, right. there are, there are pieces of Deadpool that are worth shedding a tear for. Yeah, I, I, it wasn't tossable. It wasn't tossable to me. I, I could have dealt with a sequel. I was excited to see that uh, fold into the upcoming Man of Steel and everything, yeah. and then they just kind of trashed it. And I went, oh, well, I, okay. yeah, I could have kept it just fine. And uh, the way I hear it though is like Berlanti had a, de- a decent script. At some point, and then when it was another one, it was more like the studio messed with it too much, and then that, that's what we got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those, those kids at WB really know what they're doing, don't they? What a surprise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the studio screwed it up. Right. It's become it only, a mantra. It, it only takes one one bad uh, bad apple in there with, with too many notes, and yeah. doesn't who doesn't understand why you bought the script to begin with, but now it's in his hands, and... You know, right. they all want to. You remember have what I said about sewer water? Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah the one percent. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, thing. Uh, yeah. Warner Brothers is the uh, the rux of movie studios. They just tinker too damn much. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I was reading. Um, sorry, it's a league reference. I was reading a book recently from. Uh, <laughs> it's Th- Thomas Lennon and uh, 
Ben Garrett wrote a, an awesome book about like kind of insider Hollywood stuff. Just hilarious too. Um, but one of the things they mentioned in there was like to get a to get a, a good script and turn it into a shit movie really only takes one idiot. And uh, yeah, they they said notice we didn't say harmless idiot idiot because in Hollywood there's no such thing. Wow. Um, <laughs> he said actually though like for uh, for every twenty idiots you run into in Hollywood and that's easy to do. Um, you're only gonna run a, run into maybe one person who's actually evil. Like most of them, just they aren't truly mustache twirling villains. Yeah, they're, they're just, just dumb, just incompetent people, or at least out of you know maybe they maybe they're good in this context, but they get put in the wrong one, and suddenly they don't know how this movie works, and they just you know throwing it up. And I did love this part in the book. He talks about he cannot count how many times he's walked into a meeting to get notes and realized about halfway through that the person giving him notes had never read the script. It's frightening. Mm. Yeah, I. I it was it was a nice little insider look because I didn't realize just like I, I've I've wondered how crazy it was and then I look I read theirs and I'm like oh it's just as bad as I thought okay good <laughs> freaking it's amazing a good movie ever gets made at that point to be honest it is well it's amazing that any human is ever born normal <laughs> yeah. if you ever if you ever learn about the process of reproduction there's so many things that can go wrong. And there's so many checks and balances. It is really miraculous that any of us are born normal. It's, that sounds um, right. It, it, it'll, it will drive you crazy if you think about it too much. Yeah. So, but anyway, so if if that's true, imagine how uh, easy it would be to just screw up a movie. And that is kind of frightening. Yeah. Because there's a, we've got a whole lot of movies coming up that we're all looking forward to. And I just, mm-hmm. I'm just and hoping that one idiot stays away. A lot of them are tentpole movies where everyone wants to get in and have their say on it too. And yep, yep. I mean, there's not a lot of people that you know would turn down the chance to take a swipe at the the Justice League script just because it's a, it's the Justice League movie. Like, who wouldn't want to just take a look and see if they could you know maybe improve it? And then that doesn't mean you're qualified to write right. a Justice League movie. But Been you know, waiting yep. for that movie since I was 10 years old, right? So, and there are people yeah, that are you know, I'm so pumped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, it's, uh, you know, I'm uh, gonna feel really bad for just everyone if the movie does suck, and we just have to kind of like sigh and go, well, I guess we'll just focus on this Wonder, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman too. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I uh, I learned at a I learned at a young age to accept animation as live action. Yeah, and uh, you know, I feel like I've already had my Batman and my Justice League with the uh, Paul Dini Bruce Tim verse. Yeah. Anything else is is uh, icing just, on the cake just in gravy. a lot of ways. Yeah. So I mean, I well, that's mean, a good way to think. To the point, it. yeah. To the point where I'm like, eh, Jared Leto's not Mark Hamill. It's actively affecting my feelings <laughs> about <laughs> the new stuff. Like, that's not real. Yeah. Like, none of it's real, Dave. Yeah. It's hard to pull your, it's hard to pull yourself away. Especially like we grew up watching those. You know, every afternoon, get home and and sit four feet from the television and watch Batman. Like that was ingrained in us. So um, yeah. It's hard not to compare everything we see to BTS and and its cohorts. I mean, none of that was even my first. Like my first was probably Keaton, and then Adam West. No, my first but, was definitely Adam I mean, West, but it was it was clear to me even at a young age so that the animated good. series was legitimately good. It wasn't just something mm-hmm. I was watching because I was a kid. It was it was clear that this was yeah. good television. And that's something. Being my age, I've I've never seen a single episode of that, and uh, that's just because oh, I, man. when it came out, I was either in medical school. Or yeah. I was practicing and had kids, and uh, you know we just never got there. So that's something that's on my list of things to do because I've heard nothing. It's but absolutely great something about it. you should. It's watch. gonna you're yeah. just, you're just gonna be so happy. 
I mean, it, as long as animation the, uh, as a format doesn't uh, in any way bewilder you, you're going to be great. No, no, no. I'm cool with it. So, <laughs> and uh, you know, you you you've made a lot of cracks about being older, but I think Batman the animated series, I think that's going to help you out being older because a lot of the uh, a lot of the pastiche of the show, a lot of the uh, the aesthetic of the show is geared more toward old noir films. Yeah. Really, and um, yeah. a lot of the a lot of the pacing of it is is geared towards older films, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things I love about it. Okay. It was not no, made I've, for like I've watch it. a bunch of ADD kids with uh You're not going to watch it? Is that what you said? <laughs> no, I said I, I am going to watch it. I can't wait to watch okay. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matter of uh, fact, no, I may start tonight. The part that's going to mess with you, though, is you're going to have like, if you get, you're, you're going you're to finish that, and then it's going to be like, all right, cool. Well, uh, I guess I'm done with that. Oh, wait, there's Superman the Animated Series that I should have been watching in conjunction with this, actually, now that I think. Right. Like, Teen Titans. Yeah, there's going to. No, uh, Teen Titans no, is not involved in thing. that, actually. Um, but it's going to, there's. There's uh, you basically need to get a viewer's guide to that and okay <laughs> make sure you refer to it before <laughs> I mean, or just ask Dave. Well, I kind of yeah, you guys me. for that. Yeah, yeah I'll, he's I'll, got it memorized. I'll check in with you. Like I can get you close, yeah. but David David just has to correct me twice anyway. So uh, just just cut to the chase. <laughs> ask Dave. Yeah, he is a veritable encyclopedia of this stuff. I, I oh yeah, yeah. And, I'll, um, I'll check in with you. Let me let me watch the first few episodes and then uh, I'll. Uh, uh, I'll check in with you and yeah. let me know which direction to go in next. And and of course, you know, I would advise give it a couple of episodes, three or four episodes, maybe five, for them to really get the the characters down because the voices are a little weird, yeah. you know, as anything yeah. is, you know, they're kind of not quite there. But um, I mean, if you, always even those that. are pretty phenomenal. Especially if you get all the way to Harley Quinn, you know, you've made it into the show's real run. Okay. That's, okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, that's pretty. That's pretty early on. What was it? Uh, Joker's favorite. Um. Trying to, yeah. Well, there was a proto version. Oh my god! You know the episode. you know the show titles. Holy moly! <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> well, look, you know, animated series and Paul Dini, like these cats created the the origins for a lot of these characters. Yeah. And, right. it, I mean, it, Mr. Freeze like, was, uh, was Mr. Freeze was nothing but a villain before. He was just a guy who was like, you know, like we had that great bit from the the '66 series where he's like, "Poor devil," <laughs> like he's, you know, he's, his body he has to be in a refrigerated suit, and his body is that kept at a constant 50 degrees below uh, right. zero, yeah. and then he's like, "No wonder his mind is warped." That was the explanation. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Now, when you finally get to Paul Dini's version of it, um, I always love this little anecdote from Dini where he says um, he knew he'd re- he knew he'd written a good episode because um, he left his little office just in tears. And like apparently that happens to him a lot. His wife will come over and be like, "Is everything okay? What's wrong?" He's like, I just, "It was just working on it. So it's gonna be really good." Like, wow. He he actually writes himself into tears sometimes. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. His wife's a magician too. I know that. Oh, is she? You guys nice. ever go to? Yeah, she does magic. Do you guys ever go to Dragon Con or yeah. anything like that? No, we're still trying to figure out if we can. We haven't. Yeah. I, I, and I'm, I used to. I'm short on funds after all my uh, my me and my wife's medical expenses this crazy little summer. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was just curious because you know I met so many comic people, comic book uh, creators at Dragon Con. It's such a great place to just walk around. Like Matt Wagner, I don't know if you remember him. He did uh, Grendel and Mage, and he did a really neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grendel slash Batman crossover. It was one of my favorites back in the day. And uh, yeah, you oh, can yeah. walk around and meet these guys. And I know Paul Dini's been at Dragon Con. That's what made me think of it. Yeah, I'd love to just uh, go shake that guy's hand and say thanks, man. It's just one yes, of those people that yeah. he, he did a lot. 
Well, if you guys are ever going to go, hell, I'll go. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, if we can ever actually get out there, we'll let you know. Okay. I always have a great fear of meeting my heroes. Yeah. I don't want any kind of Bruce Willis, inf- you know, I don't want to go, hey, Paul Dini, I love your stuff. And he's just like, screw you, fanboy. Right. Mm-hmm. Your yeah. heroes well, mostly can only disappoint you. That is true. That is the problem. With but it. every once in a while, it's really worth it. And someday, <laughs> if we're just sitting around, you know, drinking an adult beverage, I'll tell you my uh, uh, my encounter with um, um, uh, the Star Wars actors at Dragon Con. And uh, it's it's <laughs> really, really horrible. Um Okay, well, anyway, you know David Prowse, right? I'll tell you this one. David Prowse is sitting at the table, and there's nobody around, and he's talking to this guy, and he starts talking to me, and he starts telling me this story, right? And he's telling the story, mm-hmm. yes, and I went to this place, and this man told me, and I'm just laughing, and oh, yeah, oh, that's you know, <laughs> that's awesome. And about five minutes into this, with me reacting to everything he's saying like he's talking to me, I realize he has strabismus, which is where one of his eyes points straight forward and the other one points to the right, and the other eye was looking right at me. And he wasn't oh. talking to me. He was talking to this guy standing to my <laughs> standing to my right, and I was the biggest idiot. But anyway, just a little medical thing. Strabismus, there you go. So you know what's great about that is with him not reacting, that means that you're not the first. Right, right. That, that's right. like yeah. he just he ignored like, oh, no, you. Mate, like, oh. I'm not talking to you. Another one of those guys. <laughs> yep, another one of those guys talking into my bad eye. Yeah. Oh. Well, oh. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, I thought I thought it's embarrassing to think somebody's like talking to you and they're on the phone. That's that's way best. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's another level. But I've met a few of my heroes, and they uh, only, very few of them have disappointed me. So I think it's okay. Don't worry about it. I think Paul Dini nice. would be an awesome person to meet. That's that. That would be good. Yeah. Oh, I. You know. Yeah. There is the the off chance that that person would be a dick in a way that made me love them more. Like if yeah. he was just like I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't have an example in my head. But if like he was just a dick to me, I'm like that is perfect. Yeah. Right. Like, if you said, oh, you, your like, work meant so much to me, and he just said, who gives a shit, and walked away, that would be an awesome way to go out Yeah, with this Like, guy. if Bob Dylan did that to me, I would be like, <laughs> oh, so my God, Dylan. that is perfect. Yeah. That is so perfect. Yes. My, let me just tell you real quick my other Dragon Con story. This hasn't got a great sure. middle and an end. But just uh, the opportunities at a place like that, uh, back uh, when I – the last time I went – of course, I saw the Misfits three years in a row, but uh, my friend uh, Dwayne, who runs a, a comic book shop called Dwayne's World in a place called Kingsport, Tennessee, it's a it's a superstore comic book shop. I mean, it's like Walmart in there. It's actually the most beautiful place you've ever seen. If y'all are ever in hmm. in this area, I've got to take you there. But uh, he and I went, and for twenty five bucks, you could go to this awards dinner. It was the Dragon Con awards dinner, right? And Kurt Busiek was there he was up on the dais and that was cool because i love astro city but guess who's sitting at my table anthony daniels and at my at my table to the point where we talked so long and and he was such an engaging wonderful guy and if people don't know that's the guy that plays c-3po in the star wars movies right the next day when i'm walking through the uh you know through the exhibition hall anthony daniel sees me and goes oh steve hello and is waving now when is that ever going to happen the guess who was sitting next in, in the table next to me 
was Ray Bradbury, the author of um, uh, Martian Chronicles, who was I was a huge fan of his since I was a kid. Ray Harryhausen, who did the animation mm-hmm. for you know the Sinbad movies and stuff, and Forrest Ackerman, which you get a prize if you know who that is, but he was the publisher of Famous Monsters of Film, all you know at the table next to us. So Dragon Con. And other conventions like that are an awesome place to just meet and and uh, and talk to people that we've all been fans of our whole lives. Harlan Ellison, I, I got to just I ran into him in the hall and talked to him for ten minutes. Hmm. That was an incredible experience. Oh so, you know, that may be a record for him. It's so much fun. Yeah, did, you, did he threaten to sue you? <laughs> no, 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 he was great. He was awesome. So <laughs> he didn't anyway, accuse you of stealing any ideas. No, not at all. No, okay. he, he was he was really wonderful. I talked to him about uh, a short story called "I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream," which apparently he wrote. It was one of the first things absolutely he ever wrote. wrote that. Yeah, and I absolutely. I, yeah, I um, I did a uh, spoken word thing in uh, college to mm-hmm. that and freaked out my professor. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's so awesome. It, it's really cool. So if you guys can go. Uh, I don't even – wait, you're in Alabama, right? Or one of you is in right. Alabama. Right. We're both in separate parts We're of both it. in Alabama, yeah. It's not that far to go to Atlanta. Let's – No, we know, thought we about even – We probably do um, this off the air, but we should probably uh, talk. I'd love to meet up with you guys and, yeah, and walk around Dragon Con. Oh, uh, something more in your, your neck of the woods is I looked up uh, Heroes and Villains um, Fan Fest. It was like July 8th and 9th, and it's pretty much everyone we cover on Arrow, plus uh, David Mazus oh. and um, – uh, I forget who Butch's real name is, but uh, I guess Butch isn't even oh, his name in the show anymore. But, you know, um, it was everybody there. And in, in particular, I laughed when I saw they have what they call a Stephen Amell package for like $325. You just specifically get to go in a line <laughs> or you get pictures with Stephen Amell. And I, I ran this by my wife and she, she just went, um, do I get to go on a date, on, date with him? I said, well, I mean, you can ask. Wow. Now that looks good. It's got Melissa Benoist and Michael Rooker. Yeah, it was a solid. That's in uh, Nashville. Yeah, yeah, it's a solid one. But um, yeah, she was only interested if she could actually I'd go for Rooker alone. Date Stephen Amell. I don't blame her. Wow, and they have an uh, archery yeah. booth, and you can shoot arrows with Stephen Amell. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> That's the craziest damn thing. I would f- never. Do oh, that. I'd win a heartbeat. <laughs> in a heartbeat. Well, actually, I'd- yeah, it would be his heartbeat because I'd accidentally shoot him in the <laughs> chest. It'd be his final heartbeat. <laughs> the, C- the CW would sue you for the rest of your life. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh, they have insurance on him. Oh, probably millions of dollars worth, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know you're getting close to your heart out, Dave. And uh, Yeah. I just I want mean, to say yeah, thank you I'm guys for having me on and just letting me ramble. It's been really fun. I really enjoy your show. I listen every week. And uh, Thank you again. Thank you for having me on. It was so much fun. Yeah, yeah thank you show. so much for ha- uh, for being on the show, and thanks for having Jason on your show as yeah. well. Um, I went in and found those gummies. They do work better. Oh yeah, just there to you follow go. Up yeah, we had. I, I, yeah, I've had. Good, I've heard good things about yeah. the gummies. They, uh, sure Jason enough, was right uh, a big part of our uh, last podcast, and uh, you can hear it at drsteve.com, or you can go to iTunes or Stitcher or Riotcast.com and just search for Weird Medicine. And uh, yeah, we talked about Jason's crazy heart rhythm. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I named the episode yeah. after him. I kept. I kept trying to come up with a Batman versus Superman thing and i just came up with his heart rate was 200 bpm so it's just called 200 bpm versus superman it was stupid i i ran yeah. out of time to come up with a very oh i I, I i loved it one, because it, it even vaguely implies that i'm the superman of this character um that's right that's so exactly I, right that's exactly it was right. entirely flattering <laughs> yeah but guys it 
I you know I I listen from time to time. It's a good show. It's a lot of fun and it's informative as well. And uh, how long have you guys been doing the show? Eleven years. Eleven, twelve years. Yeah. Oh Ugh. my gosh. I started yeah. in two thousand seven, uh, doing a sort of one off on the Opie and Anthony channel at Sirius XM. And it was so successful. Uh, they just let us do it because I think they thought we were just going to shit the bed, <laughs> and then it would be funny. It would be it would give them something funny to talk about. But if it was good, then it was you know they could take credit for coming up with a good idea. So or a, you know greenlighting yeah. a good idea. So either way, it was a win win for them. And uh, yeah, uh, so we used to do it once a month, and then we were doing it twice a month, and then we started doing weekly. Uh, on Sirius XM and then started doing weekly podcasts as well, including uh, we have premium episodes for our premium subscribers. But you can listen for free if you just keep up. You know, we have the first yeah. – the last five shows are always free. So. Yeah, that's a pretty standard model these days. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I don't do it to make money. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm doing it to keep my employer from digging too deep into my archives because I've said <laughs> some crazy crap on my show. So. <laughs> yeah. At least if they did dig deep, they'd have to pay. Yeah. So. I, I thought deeply about a pseudonym <laughs> when we started this show. Um, just because just I thought, you know, I'm still young enough that I'm probably going to have to apply for another job at some point in my life. I don't think I'm. Yeah. I don't know that I'm going to retire here necessarily. But, uh, Right. In the end, we well, opted I thought for I madness. was going to. I tell you what, when we did our first show, my partner, P.A. John, and I were looking uh, across the street on 57th uh, Avenue in uh, New York City going, now, which, which condo do you think, you know, uh, we should buy up there uh, <laughs> uh, because we're going to need to buy one? And then we didn't realize <laughs> we were going to do the first five years for free. Mm. And they weren't going to pay us a penny. And then after that, they're going to pay us 150 bucks an episode. So, and 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 if I skip an episode, the second episode because of taxes, I make twenty eight dollars. So, yeah, <laughs> and we haven't even made back the expense, the amount that it cost for us to fly up there and uh, get hotels and all and meals and stuff for the first show. We've never even made that money back. So, yeah, this is not a, a long big, haul, big money making thing. Yeah, <laughs> we. Uh... I, thankfully, our setup is is very uh, cheaply achieved. So uh, we, I, we we're done losing money. I think on it at least. Yeah, we weren't exactly trying you to guys um, do it for the props and because you love it. And that's yeah, why we I just wanted to chat just because I love it. And like we've said before, we the half yeah. the reason we started was me and Dave would just be on the phone uh, shooting the shit about this stuff anyway. And we're like, well, what if we just record and see what happens? And, Right, and you know what? Actually, recording it, I think we we uh, we save time because when it's just me and you, we we talk for about five hours. Yeah, yeah. Dude. <laughs> it's I actually got a taste we only do it for like an hour and a half. It's a way more structured discussion too, because we're not just going like <laughs> willy nilly, like oh that thing on Gotham. Did you see that? Yeah, and then jumping. Yeah, David, right into... I got a taste of that because when Jason and I were uh, talking about doing this show, we were just going to touch bases real quick just to uh, say you know how the format of the show was going to go and how you guys actually record and i think an hour later we finally hung up and we were it was what was it, it was one in the morning my time that's about so, right that's about uh, right I, I totally understand yeah. i mean hell we could go on another three hours and not run out of stuff to talk about we might go really deep in the catalog yeah but. i mean there's nearly 80 <laughs> years worth of uh material out there to to yeah. screw around with yeah. and uh we know enough to be dangerous so <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. I'd love to have a, have you on again. I'd love to do Soon. it again. Especially would... get it in the summer while we can. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, we do our little, <laughs> your, your our little one-offs in the summer. So. Your listeners may tell drowning. you different, but uh, I would love to do it. Absolutely. 
Well, you know, our listeners have weathered far worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm at I'm at your service. <laughs> I had a hell of a lot of fun on this episode, and uh, I hope you guys did too. We even learned some things. Uh, we learned some stuff. We got edumacated yeah. for just a minute, and um, you can find every episode free. We don't have a premium service. <laughs> but you can find every episode for free dconscreen.com we're on iTunes we're on Stitcher um, Giant Size Team Up Network GiantSizeTeamUp.com for all those awesome shows over there MCU cast Booze and Phasers and all the others guys we're going to be coming back with DCEU news some of which we talked briefly about here today we're mm-hmm. going to be talking about DC TV news some big stuff until then keep some DC on your screen Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.